I told you one of the things that broke my brain was when James Gunn, I think, tweeted about how Zachary Levi auditioned for Star Lord. Yeah. yeah. And didn't get that job, but impressed uh James Gunn so much that he passed that recommendation on to the guy who directed Shazam mm-hmm. and then got Zach Levi cast in Shazam. Right. Well wasn't I mean he was already what's his name though, wasn't Fandral. he? Fandral. Yeah. Fandral, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but was he, he he was among the Warriors three. Well, I think he he probably would have auditioned for Star-Lord before Thor 2, right? Because Guardians is part of Phase 2. It's possible. I have no idea when they would have been auditioning for... He replaced the original guy from Thor 1. Right. Zach Levi's whole thing was he he auditioned for Fandral in Thor 1. I think was either cast or was ready to be cast. And then Chuck was renewed for another season. So he had obligations on TV uh, and had to back out of the role. Okay. So they had somebody fill in for him in the role of Fandral. The guy that played Fandral in Thor 1 could not play Fandral in Thor 2. So Zach Levi was then called back to replace him because he couldn't be in the role. You see, guys, this is why he's the host. <laughs> well, this is, this is he, why... He doesn't have to look this shit up. He this, just knows this stuff. This he's, is why he's my, just like, yeah, this is... This is where my man crush of Zach Levi comes in. Like, I don't know this about everybody in the MCU. Just specifically Zach Levi. You could have just acted it out, but... <laughs> I could have just I, been like, no, I, I got it. I, I'll put I it on record everything. that, you know, I have a man crush on Zach Levi. That's completely out in the open. Add him to the list with JT and certain other people, but he's on there. I mean, that's fair. Every every, every guy's got a secret man crush. That's what I mean. I don't, I don't gonna, know if it's secret. I mean, mine is, but... <laughs> well, do you, do you want to put your secret man crush on record? I'll give you each one guess. Any hints? All right, well, I'll give you one hint, and then I'm going to grab a drink. Okay, a little stew on it. Uh, we just reviewed a movie with a minute. Stew on it. I can't <laughs> hear you. So. so, what did we just review? Dune? Who's in Dune? Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put him, make the youngest <laughs> one, the one he's after. <laughs> the, one, the, one, the one who's most, like, F-boy looking? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. I heard what that is. No, 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 no. no. Um, Timothy Chalamet is not the correct answer to this question. Oscar Isaacs? Oh, he's too short. Oscar Isaac is too short? Yeah, he's like... Are, he's are, are we even on the right track with Dune? Aqua, bro. There you go. Uh, Momoa's number I mean, one for you. Secret secret man crush list. J- yeah, it's not so Momoa, secret anymore. If, I mean, if I was... Gonna, yeah, it's not so secret. You know, on the one in ten billion chance that I would go dude, he would be at the top of that list. All right, not bad. I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got. Wait, wait, hold on. I have to. When he has a beard, when he's clean shaven, <laughs> now he can. No, mm, doesn't okay. work. Doesn't work anymore if he's shaven. Hello and welcome to another episode of Brian and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone that got here almost as fast as the Flash. I mean, Macaray, Andy Stolls. What's up, podcast people? 
Someone that's got finger guns to rival Kingo's, Josh Zorch. Always in the holster. Ready. Ready to go. And finally, we got someone that will bitch slap you harder than Gilgamesh, Mike Bradley. I was hoping you were going to make me Gilgamesh. <laughs> Wish fulfilled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we've already named your favorite Eternal, have we? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good recovery. <laughs> we didn't throw out the spoiler warning yet, so no. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's a spoiler. we got to hold that. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got another another movie review for you this week. Uh, this time we're going to be covering the latest Marvel movie, which is The Eternals. Uh, this is the, I think, 25th, if my count is correct, uh, Marvel movie for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I so think it's get... 26, actually. This is number 26? I thought Far From Home was 23, I which think, would okay. make I this 26. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, maybe I missed Shang Chi. That might be right. Yeah. Okay, that's they're fair. Hap- they're happening too fast now. We're, we're I know. I'm. <laughs> they're every two months. I'm. There. I'm losing track very quickly. And you know, plus we get Eternals this month, and Spider Man is already next month. So there's not a long wait for the next one. Of course, I guess we get like a five month or six month gap after Spider Man. I think Doctor Strange got moved to May. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It was supposed to be like February, wasn't it? March. Or March. Yeah. Okay, so it was only supposed to be a short. Now we get a long gap again. I'm used to that gap. Yeah, I mean, that was. I was going to ask you guys, like, are you ready for a little bit of a break, or are you still wishing yeah. we had like every two or three months for a Marvel movie? Like, are you going to welcome this to catch up on like some other stuff? I feel like it's all happening so fast right now, and there's so many threads they're opening up, and it feels like it's just going in so many different directions. Oh, especially with, with all the, the TV stuff. Story threads. Yeah. yeah, like, I, I'm okay with a five-month gap and catching up and starting to piece things together in my brain. Well, I guess we will have Hawkeye to hold us over, too. Hawkeye's this month, too. Well, oh, yeah, shit. Hawkeye's in between Eternals and Spider-Man. So we got that to worry about, too. They haven't announced any other official series release dates uh, after Uh, Hawkeye yet, have they? Not that I've seen. I thought Miss Marvel was. Did they give us a date? I thought when I had seen it, it said holiday 2021. They didn't, uh, I thought yeah. like it said something like winter 2021 or something like that. Like, See, I don't even think I realized that was the one that was up next. And Andy, I think you're, to your point, I think um, we get the, well, at the time we're recording this, we're recording on November 11th, November 12th, tomorrow is Disney Plus Day. Right. So and they're going to reveal a bunch of previews and stuff, I think. Yeah. So I'm expecting some announcements tomorrow. So maybe we will get some definitive release dates on like what's coming to Disney Plus. I don't know if they'll go as far as tell you over the next year or just the next couple of months or something, but, and who knows that maybe that's something we'll try to cover, but at the very least I will be posting about announcements that I catch. Uh, so keep an eye out for the socials for all that kind of stuff. So it, it still looks like, um, the Miss Marvel will be next after Hawkeye. Cause we have like um, armor wars is coming. Secret wars is coming. But it looks like or a secret invasion, secret invasion, not right secret. So Miss Marvel's a show. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the not Captain Marvel, but Miss Marvel. That's going to be Kamala Khan, right? The the so, stretchy, the stretchy yes. lady. Yeah, yeah. So that's like it's looking like early twenty twenty two now. Uh, Live action. The latest update they gave. Yes, they have the whole okay. cast and all that. You can look up. It's pretty cool. Okay. Looks pretty solid. I feel like we probably talked about it at one point, but it's been so while now, and now we've gotten sidetracked with all these other movie releases and shows that I kind of forgot all about it. Yeah. I don't think we talked about it since they announced cast. 
Right. Or anything. Like, I feel like we just tangentially mentioned it because they announced it was happening. But. Yeah. I mean, since they announced, like, the Marvels being a movie that this character is going to be a part of. Right, right, right. You know, like, that's kind of cool that we're going to get continuation, at least. Um, Andy, so back to saying, the question. I was going to say, but just back to the question. For, are you looking for a bit uh, of a break, or are you... I, I, I like a little bit. I was just going to try to segue okay. into that. Um, Good job. I like a little bit of digestion, digest, digestion time <laughs> on my movies and shows and stuff, and I haven't caught up to any of the Disney Plus shows yet, and I feel like I'm already, like, inundated with all these movies, you know? Yeah. So... But like, I feel like if I went like really into it and watch, started watching the shows, I'd be like, ah, damn it, it's too much. <laughs> are you gonna, I mean, are you going to use this time to catch up on the shows or you still feel overwhelmed? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> if I, so far, at least the shows have not intertwined enough that you've missed anything. Like it will not hurt to watch them after. Basically, I don't think it yet. Yeah, I feel until as we get if... to Far From Home or it's not far right. from home. It's I feel like home. the last three Marvel movies have been sort of like more one-offies. Yeah. And then I think yeah. they're going to start connecting things back again, you know? Right, right. So, and that yeah. that's, where, that's where I'm going to be like, alert, alert, danger, danger. <laughs> <laughs> have you been watching Lost in Space too? No, no, but I did see your posts. So <laughs> oh, did that come out? It was on my brain. Nice. Season three is next month. I'm excited. Um, I watched season one. I haven't got to two yet. Yeah, it's it's really good. You know, little sly plug for Lost in Space. Check it out on Netflix. It's really cool. Um, Josh, how do you feel about a break? You you ready for a break? You just want another movie, or what do you think? I I mean, I'm on record of going so back and forth to this. Like pre-pandemic, I remember going on record and saying like, give us some breathing room, and like because they had gotten to the point where it was like every like four months they had gotten to like the three a year slate you know, late there in like 2017, 2018. And I mean, pa- 2019 was packed. Right. Um, uh, Cause we had what we had Marvel in March in f- uh, end game at the end of April. Yeah, Black I think, Panther and before then, that too. Oh, in, in 2018. Yeah. Like it just, it, it yeah, was, it was like very, it just... very congested. So. Oh, you're talking. Yeah, man. Um, I'm getting my ears fucked up, but oh, no, it's all right. But um, <laughs> so I remember saying that initially and then, you know, once the, the hose got pinched for so long, um, I think, it's a, it's a good I, analogy. I think I, yeah, like I think initially I'm okay with it, but I'm, I'm with Andy on the mark that now if we're going to have a movie every other month, in this case, between Eternals and Spider-Man, like seven weeks, plus you're giving me, you know, television and online content. Yeah, let's let's take a breath for a minute we've gotten a hell of a lot of stuff since july right um and it really hasn't slowed down i mean you figure since january we hit wanda we had like a week or two break went right into falcon winter soldier maybe had a couple of weeks break went right into loki that was ending right when black widow hit then we got what if shang chi before that even finished now this now then hawkeye then so so 2021 has given us a lot of what we needed and it helped us get through this year, gave us content, gave us something to stay home and watch when we needed to, all of that stuff. Um, But as we kind of get back to normal, maybe a little bit, just taking it easy. Yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel knows what they're doing. There's no shortage of content. There's no lulls. 
They know how to keep you talking for the majority of the year mm-hmm. for everything they're putting out. Um, all right, so for Eternals, let's go over a little bit about the the cast and and some of the ratings and money and stuff like that. So, Eternals is directed by Chloe Zhao. Uh, screen ba- screenplay by Chloe Zhao, Patrick Ber- Berlay, uh, Ryan Furpo, and Kaz Furpo. Uh, the movie stars Gemma Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, Angelina Jolie as Thena, Selma Hayek as Ajax, Kamal Nanjiani as Kingo, Leah McHugh as Sprite. Brian Tyree Henry is, uh, is it Faso's or Passos? I can't remember. Does anybody remember how to say his name? What? Fastest. Fastest? Fastest. Okay. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a, a play on Hephaestus. Okay. Um, Lauren Ridloff is Makarai. Uh, Barry Keoghan is Druig. Uh, Ma Don Soic or Saic is Gilgamesh. Kit Harrington is Dane Whitman. And probably one of my personal favorites. Favorites, Harish Patel as Kuran. Uh, box office for the movie so far, it has made $81 million domestic. International, it has made $90 million, which brings the worldwide total to $171 million, Uh, which and maybe I'll just mention on the show because we were talking about it beforehand. Um, we looked at the, the domestic box office to see where some of these movies lie to see where Eternals stacks up compared to everything else that's come out this year. Right now, Eternals is at number 12 for domestic box office for 2021. Now, this this is only after, after its first week of release. So, we're right on the cusp of second week. It's probably going to, I would think, crack the top 10 after week number two. Uh, so, we'll have to, we could always revisit that and, and double check it. Uh, the only Marvel movie that is in the top 10 right now, or no, I'm sorry, sorry. Marvel has two movies in the top 10. Uh, Shang-Chi is number one right now, 224 million. Black Widow's at number three. 138 million or sorry 183 million i can't math um and of course we we have to mention even because it's going to irritate every single fucking one of us number two for domestic of 2021 right now is fucking venom 2 the the movies that just won't die and somehow continue to make goddamn money for everything and sony and all that shit but he who must not be named. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's so not, it's not MCU, but Marvel has. That's Marvel true. Properties have the top three. Yeah, Marvel's I, still a hot property. So, are we allowed to like spoil Carnage stuff? Uh, let's not. Okay, never mind then. I have nothing there, to there, say about this. I mean, I think I feel like it's f- worth teasing that there's an implication for. Venom it's about with the implication. certain things, but it, like you can look it up if you want to. We're not going to spoil it here, but yes, this is not the last we've seen of Venom. I don't think. Um, I've not seen the movie, but I've seen other stuff. That's the only thing worth seeing in the movie is the end credit scene. So find the bootleg yeah. end credit scene online and watch it. Don't don't give this movie any more money. I think the one I saw was in Russian too. With subtitles, <laughs> like it was like it was like the day of, and it was so horribly like bootlegged but yeah sounds about right you're not wrong about the bootleg um ratings right now rotten tomato has it as a critic rating of 48 percent and an audience rating of 80 percent uh metacritic has a meta score of 52 user score of 6.6 honestly the reviews are lower than i thought they were or at least maybe with an expected them to be um which i guess when we get into more specific thoughts for us we can see if we agree or disagree with some of that stuff but 
Uh, just sort of going around the horn, some general non-spoiler thoughts before we get to the spoiler section. Um, Andy, what did you think of the movie? Um, it wasn't my favorite MCU movie, but it wasn't my least favorite either. I would probably put it like somewhere right in the middle. Okay, so you're a little bit more I, in line I, I, with, I guess, the ratings that were. Yeah, I, I thought it. Was, I thought it was um, longer than it probably needed to be, and it sort of fizzled and was anticlimactic. Okay. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Um, I, I definitely want to see it again, and I knew that as soon as it was over. Um, I enjoyed it, and I appreciated that it was very differently made and approached than probably any other MCU movie so far. It did not seem as formulaic. Um, and not that I, I, I tend to disagree with people who go really hard on the analysis of many of the other MCU movies and say, oh, they're all the same. Here's this, you know, the story beats and whatnot. And sometimes you can deconstruct it to that point. Sure. But, um, I think at least the approach to this, I mean, it, it was, you had the challenge of being a team movie. You know, I think we've mentioned this when it has come up in the past. Like, that's an that's a challenge of X Men movies. It's a challenge of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. You know, the, the first one. You're not only oh, here's a new thing or a new idea. Here's an entirely new group of people, all at once. And you're not right. just getting a lead and a sidekick or a or a significant other and a baddie and tangential people. You know, there's like eleven characters in this movie that are all important. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really evenly well weighed. Um, I, I didn't think anybody was overly neglected compared to others. I think everybody, you know, they came around at some point to giving everybody their turn. Um, a few could have used a little bit more time. Um, I will agree with Andy that they might have been able to achieve that and still trim some fat in some places and, okay. and cut, cut the run down time down a bit. But I was really, I, I found it refreshing that does her, their, their script and her approach to presenting the story and, and the movie making was like I said, just, just different. It was just a different change of pace for good or for bad. Uh, it, I, I like not seeing the same thing in the same fashion every single time. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what'd you think? Um, I'll have to agree with Josh on liking to see that it was not the same old Marvel movie. Um, it was definitely different. It had a different feel to it. And I think that's kind of a good thing because even when Marvel diverged into different, you know, genres, if you will, it still felt like a Marvel branded movie. Um, I feel like this could stand on its own without the MCU. You know, other than some major plot points that are connected to the MCU. But I feel like as a movie itself, it could. That was actually a question um, I was going to ask you guys. And we could sort of spin off that after your after your points. But if this is something you think people ne can see without seeing any other MCU movie. Okay. Um, I I feel like... 
where I'm at with it is a very positive place because I'm making a jump in my own logic. Um, I'm using my own ability to infer some things that the movie does not directly give to you. And I feel like that's necessary to come out with a positive view. I will explain why later when we get into spoilers and such. Okay. Um, and as far as the question you asked, you need some understanding of the MCU. You know, again, we're in spoiler. We're not into spoilers, so I don't want to get to why. Right. But you would need a little bit to understand what they're referring to for motivations of the main characters. Okay. Uh, Andy, you think this can stand on its own, or do you think you need to see any of the other 25 movies? Um, they do refer to things that happen in the MCU, characters, plot points. Like, I can bad, really only think of, like, maybe even. two character name drops, like, their fate, and obviously the big ones, like Infinity War and Endgame like some spoilers for how yeah. that story wraps and that's largely it. Like there's no interactions to other characters that are in the MCU that we've met already. There's largely no connection at least I can tell to other movies go like that have happened. Since this is a cast of all new characters, everybody whether you're new to the MCU or you've seen all the other movies are learning these characters and getting to know them the same way at the same time. I feel like if you watch Infinity War and Endgame, you get a pretty good idea of what happened up to that point because of how well those movies are made. Right. You know, you don't know all the little details and specifics, but you have a like the whole overarching universe. You've got a pretty good idea of what's going on. Yeah, I guess if you had to, if you had to streamline it, you could probably do Infinity War Endgame and then just go straight into this if you wanted to. Yeah. I even still think you could probably watch this by itself and still be fine. Like, if you were brand new to the Marvel movies and you just want to pick one and be like, you know what, I kind of want to see what this Eternal's about, people are talking about. I think you'd be fine. You could learn the other stuff later. Yeah. I think knowing the other stuff adds to the lore of the of, of Eternals. Oh, for sure. Yes. Um, But I don't, I don't think it's it's necessary. Yeah, I think ideally, you know, if someone comes into the MCU new and this is the first one they watch, if it piques their interest it will entice them to go back and watch the other movies. Right. But I also, also think, you know, after 25 movies, you almost think that you need to know some of those stories to continue. And, you know, Shang-Chi kind of largely stands alone too, but yep. I still think you you benefit more with that movie having seen other movies before that. Like, I don't think I'd pick every movie. I think you could definitely pick a couple, like a streamlined way to get into Shang-Chi before you got there. But... I do think yeah. that there at least there's a handful of movies that you might want to watch before Shang-Chi. Eternals, I think you could just go in this one and be fine. Uh, maybe Doctor Strange for Shang-Chi? More or less. Yeah, I think just some side yeah. characters would be, would benefit from at least that movie before Shang-Chi, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as Eternals, I, I really liked it. Um, I might be the only one I think out of the group that saw it twice. Um, oh, already? Do you think... Yeah, I went Friday and Saturday, actually. Okay. Um, but I I did enjoy it the second time around more. 
Um, and I think that's I going through, I think it held my attention enough the first time trying to unravel the story and what they're setting up and the few twists that happen. I enjoyed the first time. I liked them much better the second time, knowing the way the story is going to play out. I think that okay. helps keep your eye on certain people and, and motivations and what characters are doing and how the story unfolds and stuff like that. I think it works better knowing some of the mysteries and the, and the twists, but uh, yeah, I still, I, I think visually it's one of the best looking Marvel movies we've seen. Um, and I think that's a, that's a high praise considering we've had 25 other movies. Um, and there's, there's something about the, even like the, the fight scenes, like you'd think, 25 movies in like by the time you get to the action set pieces you're like oh okay they're just doing the marvel thing like they still find a way to make them feel fresh and different for me that i was invested every time the action kicked in i'm like all right what are we going to see now let's see how they do this and i don't know there's the there's a way the action is directed i think in this that makes it feel a little bit more up close and personal without doing all the shit that i hate which is the shaky cam and quick edits and cuts and all that stuff like they somehow put this camera right next to these characters as they're fighting and you don't feel like you're getting a headache. And I yeah. can appreciate stuff yeah. like that. Um, all right. Any, any other sort of general thoughts that we want to spin out to before we dive into spoilers? Uh, I kind of thought okay. that it was sort of similar to Shang-Chi as how they exposed the story, how they like the story exposure. Yeah, to the viewer happened with some of the how flashbacks getting, like, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, how you how you, how you, the story's rolling, you get a flashback to patch this spot. You get a flashback to patch that spot. You get a little bit of character deposition with this and how it rolled. I thought it was it was similar, sorta to yeah. Shang Chi. Not not like exactly like it or anything like that. But I thought it it shared that aspect. Of its storytelling. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually think about that comparison, but that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, all right, so we will use this point to spin into spoilers. Um, when we discuss the movie, the way we've been doing it recently is we try to do three categories. We'll have direction and story, characters and actors, and then whatever else we want to fit in for the movie. Sorry, I punched my microphone. Uh, and then we'll wrap up with some thoughts for the end credit stuff after all of that. So we'll try to save the end credit stuff that, you know, might be something you guys are really looking forward to hearing about to us talk about. That'll be how we wrap up at the end. So again, before we dive in, I'm going to throw out the spoiler alert. So if you have not seen Eternals and do not want spoiled, pause this now, come back after seeing the movie. And you can consider this your last warning from this point on all plot points and spoiler details are fair game. What? What was that? Alert! Alert! Spoiler! <laughs> Just gave us a new spoiler alert that I can try to use. <laughs> I'm making a, a note. New alert. <laughs> it wasn't that good. I don't care. It'll throw people for a loop because they're going to expect the regular one and we're going to hit them with something new. Uh, all right. So we have three categories. I have three people joining me. So you guys each get to pick a category. Or No, that doesn't make any sense. That's not going to help us at all. I don't know what I'm thinking. Either way. Josh, where do you want to go first? <laughs> I mean, it, it sounded right. But... Yeah, in my head, I was like, well, there's three. We have three categories. But it's like, really, by the time we get to the third person, there's only one left. So you can't choose shit. So we're just rolling with whatever. And if you're wanna... third, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. So I guess let, uh, wh whichever of them includes story. Okay, direction we'll and story. We'll Dire go there. Dire direction and story. Um, I did not see. So we'll start by saying I have not seen any other of Chloe's movies. 
Um, I did not see. Was it no no Nomadland? Was what she just won? The I think Oscar that was. For? Yeah, that was the big award-winning one. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was obviously. She probably had already most of this movie made, uh, at least principal photography done before that movie. Uh, was even released or you know definitely won the awards and whatnot because remember Eternals was originally supposed to be out in November of 2020 was the original schedule so they you know late 2019 early 2020 they might have already been in pre-production or principal photography so um, she was already given the job and might have already been you know doing this before the accolades for that were coming in and whatnot um, I, I haven't seen any of her other work and I'm just kind of skimming it real quick to make sure that's true. And I believe it is, um, he, listening to her talk. I remember her speech, uh, for accepting her Oscar and interviews, uh, around that time and whatnot. Um, she absolutely comes off as a bona fide in the weeds, like academic artful filmmaker, um, not just, I know how to do action sequences and I'm an action movie director. I know how to do comedy and I do this. She really talks about it as though I'm a filmmaker and whatever I'm deciding to create, you know, I, I'm going to step into those shoes. So that yeah. all said, um, I, I think I was impressed, uh, to use your word from earlier, fresh, the the look of the movie uh her her approval of certain cinematography choices um the feel of it the pacing uh, again she's a co-writer on on the story and the screenplay so she has her hands in in all of that crafting um i i really dug it um it, it, the editing process the story writing process as i said earlier it is hard to introduce especially not just make a team movie or an ensemble movie it's difficult to balance and weigh everything so that you're covering all your bases you're not you're you're trying to do your best to make sure that you know out of a team of 10 you don't just have two leads and everyone else is just there um there's not a whole lot that I could really chip apart from her in that regard, I think. Yeah. Um, Story-wise, uh, I, I definitely agree with what Andy said. I, I liked the choice of the back and forth, past and present storytelling. Um, I didn't see the, uh, the reveal of Icarus being... I don't even call him a bad guy and I'll spin off to that in a second, but like, I didn't see that part of it coming at all. Um, and I like that you get this like catalyst moment of the plot of the team, uh, finding, uh, Selma Hayek, you know, and then that springboards a lot of it forward. And then they come back to, okay, what actually occurred from there? And now we're catching up to it and going forward from that point. Um, what I liked about this, and I forget if it was a different MCU movie that we reviewed that I described this way, but, or, or if it's just another film, I like that there's, in my mind, there's not really a bad guy per se. Yeah. The way I frame it, there's not a big bad and there's not like a, okay, one and done. And it's a, it's a gone thing. And 
what was happening here was you were sort of positioned by thinking that there's something, you know, quote, something behind the source of the deviants. And the deviants are the challenge. And what is going to be revealed? And what are they going to have to face and whatnot? Between them and um, their disagreement with the Celestials and then Icarus, uh, Icarus's choices, really the antagonist is just the presence of conflict. Okay. Right. And that that's how I, I think about it. It's it's choices made, but it's not you know, world domination, uh universal domination. Uh they're not trying to stop a big thing from they disagree with the celestials. Icarus disagrees with them. The yeah. deviants were put in a position by the celestials and now they have their own reasons and motivations, but nobody is inherently the evil okay right yeah, yeah. and i liked that i i i i i think there's a a richness to there that can be discovered and and it, it you can do a bit more with it when the black and white of you know the dark elves or thanos or you know ironmonger are taken out of the equation I mean, I think Icarus's storyline and his motivations and character was the most one of the most interesting things in the movie for me. And that was the thing I think I appreciated the second time around is like, I think the the way the story is set up the first viewing, like I sort of figured that there was someone on the team that was somehow fucking everything up. I would not have pegged him as that person. So that twist worked for me. And then watching it the second time and knowing the whole time that he's playing the team the whole time. and and But at the same time, still trying wholeheartedly to protect everybody. Like, Agreed. He thinks he's doing the correct positive thing. Right. Like, I dug all of that. And I think he is the most one of the most interesting characters in, in the movie. And I would like to see more from him. The question that I have coming out of it is, did he kill himself? Yes. Yeah, so I would say 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I, I mean, that's like, the story of Icarus in legend is that Icarus flew too close to the sun. Well, I mean, these things are gods, so I don't know if he can just hang out in the sun and just hang out and be like, all right, I'm back, bitches. What's up? They're not gods. It shows them very clearly being mortals. Oh, fair, fair. Okay. They just don't die unless they're mortally injured. Okay. He can't fly into the sun and survive. Okay. That was a question I had, but at least that's definitively answered now. But yeah, I... And to that point, I like. I think I would have liked to have seen more from him. Like, I'd like to see him come back in a sequel or something. But if yeah, if he's dead, then we're probably gonna see, see him again. <laughs> um, if if well, the only it, thing with that is he could be remade by the Celestials. Well, true. Yeah, he was a synthetic being. Yeah. So, Andy, what you got? I was gonna say if they if they wrote it correctly, they could probably do like a prequel with him in it. Right. Sure. Yeah, they existed for you know five thousand years or something. So right, there's a lot of time to yep. play with. Um, personally for me, like, I, I think that I felt that the Icarus stuff was kind of telegraphed. Okay. Um, a bit like they, I, th I felt like they focused on it too much for it to be a big twist for me where like, they were like too many times they came back to like, what happened when you left and what was this and what was that? And to me, it just became obvious like, oh, he's going to turn on them. 
Okay. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one that's overpowering. You know what I mean? Like, he's the most powerful. He's the one that would be the biggest threat. Some shit happened that we don't have an explanation for. That means he's going to turn on. Because that's just the way things go. That's the way stories work. If it was the weakest of them that turned on them, it wouldn't be much of a story. Because there wouldn't, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be much conflict there. Right. Um. So, I liked what they did there. And I guess this falls under story for me. And this is the leap that I would like to talk about. That I had to make in order to like the film in the first place. Um, the first half of this movie, uh, I, I, I don't want to put it too harshly if it wasn't intentional. Um, because if it's not intentional, I don't. I feel like the movie goes way down in my opinion. If it's an intentional choice that the first half of the movie, the acting was awful and wooden. And they felt like they weren't human. And at the, you know, toward the second half of the movie, they start to connect more with humanity. And they start to seem more human by the end of the film. If that's an intentional arc that we're seeing, I think that's really, really well done. Because I feel like the first half of that movie, a lot of what we see, like their interactions with people, their interactions with each other seem normal. But their interactions with humans, I don't know. So much of it, the acting felt almost intentionally lackluster to me. Hmm. Where, and yeah, no, I never got that do impression. You, do you recall where the story, um, like demarcation point was, where that changed? Just to help us, I think when understand. they introduce you to Festus's family and they start showing him interacting like as a family, and the, the fact that like. We, I mean, when they all split up, I can't remember because of how many flashbacks and shit there were. I don't remember the way they ordered them. Mm -hmm. But, like, I feel like it was at that moment when they're in Tenochtitlan, or however the hell that's said. Uh, they're at the Pyramid in Chichen Itza, mm -hmm. is where they're at. And so you can say there. Chichen Itza, but you can't say Tenochtitlan. <laughs> I can say Chichen Itza, because that one's easy. The other one, I'm not, I've not, I don't think I've ever heard pronounced correctly. So... I, but anyways, I, I, I don't know if it's correct, but I, I've heard it pronounced Tenectalon. Sure. They're there. And they have that moment where they split up. And I feel like at that moment, some of them are starting to connect more with humanity than with their purpose that they don't understand or know about yet. So they're starting to connect more and become more human themselves. But, I, again, I don't remember when they show that part. I feel like that's when they're intended to in the story. You know what I mean? In time within the story, connect more with human beings and become more human themselves. I think it's it's half and half. Half of them do connect with humans and half of them sort of just live lives right. of solace. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think um, with the type of... I don't know if you would call them humans, but the type of species that they are, it's difficult to connect to people because they're, you really don't have a ton in common with them. Right. Um, and the fact that, well, they haven't seen each other in, what did they say, thousands of years? Yeah, I think it was different for each, like, some some of the different members. Like, some of them had seen each other more recently, but it had been... 
since that moment at whatever time that was that they had seen each other that when they split but others had like been more in contact right well I, i'm thinking that maybe it was a uh directional choice to have them sort of like stoic like you said or or right. uh wooden i think you called it what that's what i mean if it's intentional it's a stoic choice it's them choosing you know, i mean it's the director right. telling it, them what to do if it's just bad acting then it's wooden i i think i think <laughs> so it it's a matter of you know. it has to do with the fact that they were um basically a lot of them were quarantined for however many thousands of years and then they just like don't start talking to people normally immediately afterwards you know yeah that's kind of what i mean is it's like it's a growth of their character through thousands of years of being these people that are they're basically gods like what brian says as far as they know you know, and as far as they understood throughout all this time, the only one that could actually harm them was one of their own. Because we see Fina harm them, but we don't see them get harmed by anybody else. I think, like, so, I guess, like, thinking of just, like, like, the emotion of it and, like, what they portray. Like, when they first come out of their little cocoons or whatever and they put the armor on and they talk to each other on the ship, they, to your point, yes, there's, like, nothing there. Like, they're just waking up, they don't know how to act, and then I feel like there's even some lines of dialogue somewhere where they're even unsure if they were, if they are made to be capable to feel. Right. It, so, it, yeah, I could get that they're discovering how to interact with humans as they're, as they're evolving, I guess, over the years. I could see that, yeah. And, and that's the part of it that makes me love the storyline. Is because, you know, if we assume that that's what's happening, is that these people are growing, or, well, these beings are growing more human throughout thousands of years because they, you know, some of them at least, see the best in human beings and others see the worst. Yeah. And it shows that divergence between those that see the best, those that see the worst, those that see the potential, those that see the destruction, and... It's to me that's a beautiful story to tell, and again, if it's not intentional, you know, I feel like that's the story we're getting. I just like to make note that they don't get heavy-handed with it and tell you directly that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, so I do think if it's it intentional. is indeed intentional. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. My my vote would be which is my assumption. Yeah, that's my vote too. I just like to preface that because I could see where, you know, you see a lot of negative reviews out there of it. And I could see some people maybe misunderstanding what's happening there and just taking that as, Oh, this is, what are they doing? This is boring. I guess to you be know, clear, like I, it. I like we'd mentioned the ratings and stuff like, and the, the ratings for the movie are kind of middle of the road for, for places. I never actually dove down the rabbit hole to see why people are reviewing it badly. Like what Same people's title. issues with it were. So I don't really know how to like counterpoint that. Like if somebody said this is bad and this is why, I, I guess I really don't have anything to, to combat that. But um, Andy, you got anything for direction story you want to chime in with? Um, I suppose I I was um let down by the uh. Idea, I guess, of Erisham creating both them and the Deviants. Okay. 
because you're, you're sort of drawn to the conclusion at the beginning of the movie that the deviants were like the big bad right uh of the movie or the antagonist as josh was saying and when you sort of find out that they were made by the people that air like that they were made both by Arisham, it it sort of i don't know i was a little disappointed in that and then i feel like as soon as that exposition was made that uh the they stopped leaning on the deviants really as any sort of like threat mm. okay yeah yeah because well at that point we learned that the the celestial that they are trying to birth is in the earth right and then at, at that point i feel like they were just like yeah deviants you're off the hook and then he like the, the final deviant that sucked the energy out of the other two eternals has like that final battle with thena right which cool as though it was it just it just it just seemed like you forgot all about them for i don't know almost an hour yeah and then it was like oh shit here he is <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't care for that aspect of it i kind of wish they hadn't killed it, it like i kind of wish thena had not killed it and they had kind of parted ways and left it out there as its own being to continue on a story thread of some sort I really kind of thought that it was going to join forces with them to stop just for its own existence is its own existence's sake it it would also die in the emergence right yeah and to be clear that was bill skarsgard that was doing that voice right that is what he was doing that I was the conclusion the i came to okay um i mean he's listed as in the cast as playing crow k k <clears throat> r o so but i don't remember if the deviant ever had a name same that's why i was confused is cuz i don't remember here meeting a character named crow or and i didn't know if it was just a voice for that little bit that you get or if he was also doing like some mocap at some points right um i would have liked a little bit more uh story as to why it can suck energy and manipulate itself to be like them. I know like the old evolution thing, like he created the Eternals not to be able to evolve and the Deviants to be able to evolve, but that doesn't explain why it can evolve off of them. And why it's the only one that... Right, And yeah, it can evolve just, its other Deviants. And... Right, I, I didn't really get that. And they didn't. they also didn't explain how after Cersei... I made a leap here trying to figure it out, but why Cersei was able to heal herself after she uh, changed Tiamat to, I'm assuming, marble or, or ice or whatever she turned him to. They they didn't really explain how she healed herself, but I'm just assuming because she's still riding high off of the... Extra they cause of power the, the, or whatever. The brain meld thing. Unimind. The, the, the Unimind. Unimind, sorry. Unimind, yeah. Yeah, and then it was able to change Sprite to human and heal herself See, and all that jazz. And, and that's something that gave me a big issue. Was she's like, oh, well, Sprite, I can make you into a normal human little girl. As opposed to, oh, Sprite, I can make you into an eternal being that just happens to not look like a little girl, but look like an adult. And you can... <laughs> I didn't yeah, understand why right. she's like, I'm going to make you a mortal 
little child. Like, I'm just going to remove your immortality instead of just remove the childhood part and make you an adult. I, I didn't understand I, that. I can transubstantiate she, you, but yeah, I can't and she didn't even, age you. She, I, she didn't even offer it to Festus. Fetus. Fet, I feel like it's more just like a practical, like, hey, we have a young actress. Uh, How do we account for her growing older for a being that's supposed to be eternal and not age? Oh. Let's just take away that part of it so she can now age properly and we can explain it away in the story. But you would think that, like, he had a husband and a son. Like, he would want to grow old and see his, like, he would want to be with them, like... Well, I think that's the orderly, that's right? the trade-off. That, like, that that's the whole reason none of them started families. Because they didn't want to go through that knowing that they were going to outlast their children. Well, this she didn't even give him the option to do that, you know? Like... Yeah, I guess to that point I could see that, but I guess I'm I'm thinking it more like he's already made that choice, like he knows what he signed up for and this is just but, yeah. part of the sacrifice he signed of it. Up for that right then they... he had an opportunity that he probably didn't ever think he was going to get and he like she didn't even like offer it to him. Yeah. Um I I was thinking about even the deviant thing like the the evolution of the deviants and I'm spinning it the other way where you were talking about how the Eternals might not like they were crafted not to really evolve, but the deviants were crafted to evolve. I think after thousands and thousands of years of the deviants being killed by Eternals, that one evolved to a point where it can actually stand up against the Eternals. But would it continue to evolve while it was frozen in ice? Unless it evolved to a <laughs> point when it like right, it got to that point and then got frozen. Right. I don't know. No, I hear you. It was just one of those things that just didn't add up. I still think 100%. there's a chunk of time, like you said, where where Icarus goes away. Like, there's a couple years, oh, yeah. I think, that are unaccounted for. I thought it was hundreds of years. So, even I still. Thought, I thought it was so, thousands, honestly. Is he, is yeah, he like it's... almost getting, like, you know, they if they wanted to fill in story gaps, and just this is me spitballing, there's nothing that tells me this, but you could fill in that gap with him somehow getting the deviants to a point where they become that big of a threat and it's something they have to worry about then. I was wondering if he had recruited them to that little ice crater himself. Yeah. Not like, like his, recruited them, I, but I like, quote unquote like, tracked them and saw herded, them come out of the ice. Like herded he them Yeah. Herded them there and then sort of like you know, you know practiced on them and had them practice right. on him or, or whatever. Or so spar. if he's sparring with like a deviant for a way while much more devious than they lead him to be. Like I said, that's me spitballing. That's... He would have to be really evil to be like, I'm going to train these fuckers to kill Ajax. Like, if he was as powerful as he says he was, or they, they say he was, he should have been able to demolish all of those deviants as soon as he found them. Right. But I he think it was he... more of making a point to Ajax that he brought her there. It, well, I mean, he intended to kill her, I think, at that point anyways. Well, he's also, I feel like, not trying to kill them half the time. I think he's only trying to protect his friends. Yeah. He's he's not part of the mission, like, exterminate the, the, the deviants. He knows that they have to just basically keep Last. the Earth safe so that the yeah. Eternal can be born. Run out the That's clock. his mission. Yeah. The deviants are a side story Celest that are... Celestial. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Eternal. Yeah, sorry. Um... But yeah, the deviants are just the side story. Like, they're they're the distraction. They're They're there to occupy the team... But he still cares for the team, so he doesn't really want anyone to die. So he's just, you know, it, it's the, it's the, I see it as the civil war fight between Hawkeye and Black Widow. 
that they're that they're yeah, just they're, they're sparring right just abiding time until the next thing um and i mean with with the celestial like now being frozen in the ocean like that that's something you can't ignore right like that's <laughs> that's something that needs to be addressed in the mcu proper well and it happens in so we're not into the end credits when this happens. This is the very end of the movie. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to parse any words here. Okay. When the celestial splits the clouds and the sky to speak with Cersei, I went from six to midnight thinking about Galactus. I that did was, the same thing. Even though that we was just like, oh, times my already, God. I did the same thing. That just, dude. I think I think that I is said setting to... up Galactus so fucking hard that I just can't. I forget like oh my, I can't wait. I was blue balling myself. I think through the movie, like I <laughs> I turned to Josh at one point and said like, would they actually do Galactus? And he's like, no, I don't think they would. At least like, like not every this time, early, not here, yeah. Every time they cut to Aramish and he's like the big head in space, I turned to Josh like oh, Galactus, and I looked back and I'm like, no, <laughs> fuck, it's that dude again. And every time, it's the same one, yeah, right. <laughs> But with the way they show that everything, if you haven't seen this and you're listening to this, this is what Galactus will look like in the MCU someday. Yeah. Yes. It's going to happen, and I feel like this was a fucking test run. They've, they've successfully that... crafted big spaceman. Get it, yeah, yes. getting you over planets. that initial and hurdle. The, the moment of him looking down through the clouds, as well as when we get the outside shot of like the Celestial next to Earth. Mm -hmm. Right. We get both shots here. You get what he would look like if you're standing on Earth, and you get the shot from space of what it would look like next. It's amazing. Yeah, I and agree. But, I mean, I, even to your point, too, like, oh. to those two events, like, there is a dead celestial in the middle of the ocean now, and the whole planet presumably witnessed this dude just flying up there, stealing some people and How talking. How the planet not? Right. So, like, that's that's... Very big implications for the MCU. So as much as I think you can see this movie on its own, what how this spins off after this, the implications for the MCU as a whole are huge. Well, and I think there's a few things there. One, people individually might not notice that he stole people. They may have no True, idea that right. he actually took Celestials. But the MCU as itself, the way the Earth is, they just experienced a being put on a glove and snap its fingers and erase half of existence. Right. Now, this is supposed to be how many years after that? Like six Still like five ish, to six. Yeah. Five, six-ish, something like that. Now there's a giant motherfucker in the sky. I don't know any other <laughs> way that they... Like, if you're seeing that, you're like, what the fuck is that? Even after the snap, this moment for a normal, everyday person... In the MCU, your mind is just like. I had the thought of like, <laughs> you know, it's it's someone that like lives in a city that like like, in you just even the in the Marvel universe like New York City, all kinds of shit happens in New York City. How much happens before you're like, well, I got to move out of New York, <laughs> but now like so much has happened to the Earth. Like you can't just be like, oh, I'm gonna go to Mars now. Like no, that doesn't you can't do that now in the MCU. <laughs> like there there's no space travel here. You are stuck. Yeah, on the Earth, when all this shit is happening, you're just, you're fucked. You know, one place that, like, you see a lot of San Francisco and L.A. in Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even just the comics or the MCU. You see a lot of New York. Go to Florida. 
As far yeah. as I know, in the comics, there's not a whole lot that goes on in Florida. Just retire. If you're in the MCU, yeah. just go retire. Hang on, yeah. Yeah. The whole world can just say, fuck it, we're going to Florida. And, you know, then, of course, things will happen there. But, but yeah, just still, the chaos will follow you. Danger but... follows, yeah. Okay, before we move off, sorry, can I ask one point? Because I don't know if this escaped me or if it was a misstep as well. What was the correlation between the population of the Earth and the gestation of the celestial being born within it? Because the, the way they portrayed it earlier in the Revelation was when the celestial comes to be the planet basically breaks apart and is destroyed forever. Not that... I think it's, like, consumed at, at the same time. It, okay, so... But like, the it, energy's is it, consumed... Is it a literal and... sustenance type I think, of Well, I think it might be that the, like, the explosion, is at the same time enough? I don't know, it's so... It, it's a weird thing. I guess I presume that somehow they, like, it basically eats the people before the planet explodes. Yeah, like, it sucks all the energy out, and then as it expands and is born, it's like breaking an egg. Okay. I guess I could buy that, but I don't think that was clear. So, I, in in that essence of them talking about how much energy and all that is created, I feel like that is also the gateway to Galactus. Because that is what is going to draw Galactus here. They created a planet with enough energy to birth a Celestial. Uh, yeah. And Galactus and is like, there. hmm, I'm hungry. Yeah, and he just decides to find Earth because that's a lot of energy he can eat. That's a lot, you know. I mean, that for him, that's oh man, that's yeah. a nice dinner. That's a golden corral. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm just saying, like that's that's what that's his thing. I don't know you if know, I've ever so... heard Earth described as the golden corral. <laughs> it's the golden, golden corral of the Milky Way. Let's 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 be <laughs> honest. That's that that's as best as we can claim right now. And Galactus is a fat guy and a wife beater with a mullet. And it's it's about to go down. That that fits Golden Corral. Somebody put that on the Earth. <laughs> That's poster. why I put it that way. <laughs> Visit the, Earth. We're we're the, the, the solar tourism, system's Golden Corral. Yeah, the tourism pamphlet for right. Earth. You know, to be fair, we'd give them food poisoning if it was Galactic. Okay? <laughs> um, all right. Anything else for direction story? Nothing else. All right. All right. So we'll move on to characters and actors. Um. Andy, I'll give you this one. Where do you want to start with characters and actors? I'm going to start with Druig. Okay. Could not stand him. <laughs> Absolutely Love it. hated him. Like, the, the actor that played him, the character that he played, I didn't care for it at all. Okay. Just, like, like his mannerisms, his, his line deliveries, um, his swagger or whatever, it just, I just didn't. It it didn't hit with me at all. The rest of them, I thought, did a pretty darn good job. Um, I would say that I, I felt a little disappointed in the Icarus versus Thena fight because I feel like that could have... I wanted to see more of that. Yeah. And it, and it sort of got cut short. Okay. Because I feel as though everyone kept saying how... Athena's prowess was like unmatched, and she was the the best warrior on on Olympia Olympia Olympus Olymp- Olympia Olympia Olympia, Olympia. Yeah. and um you know and then they would say like oh Icarus is the strongest I'm like well who is it you know I feel like that's gonna be a stand down but um I also thought that 
the I think I went over this with the story, but the deviant really didn't get much to do after he was like a thing. Yeah. Um. And I know we had mentioned that they all sort of got a little bit of like backstory in them, but I don't think the fat I, I can't remember her name, the fast lady, really got much Mercari. of any sort of yeah. backstory. It's supposed at all. to be like Mercury, but Mercari. yeah, she she didn't really get much to do other than like read books on the ship or whatever, and that's all you really got from her, which I th- thought would have been cool to see what she was sort of doing. I'm assuming yeah, they, she was going around collecting all the artifacts based on what was She, on the she ship, seemed but. to be a kleptomaniac. <laughs> yeah. Is like what I what I took from it. So she was just going around stealing shit and creating like a nice little hive Preserving. to other stuff. <laughs> yeah. I thought all sure. the other actresses and actors did a pretty good job. I uh, I will say the character of Ajax, I didn't I didn't get the point of the swing. Like I didn't I didn't she, they don't really show you when she decides that she's no longer going to do what Erisham wants and right. sort of swings towards stopping the emergence. I, I would have liked to have seen when that happened. Well, they just sort of deal with the fact that she decided to do that, but you never really see I feel it. like she, like, I feel like it's the moment that Tony makes the snap is the way that she describes it. It's like, you know, like, some being erased half of all existence. And it was this planet that Did something about that. it and fixed it. Yeah, yeah th- this is the planet that changed it. And I feel like they they let her say that. And I think that's enough to be like, you know, like, we do... I, like, I don't... I don't know, do we, do we need, like, the little flashback, like, I am Iron Man. Or, you know, like, I... I guess I didn't put those two together. Okay, yeah. I feel like that's what I, she I was realized saying. That was like, I, I realized that she said that, you know, but I, I guess it, I didn't. Is it put that into? Is it for you that, that it, it like she turned on a dime too quickly, and there wasn't because I, I I felt that a little bit that there it didn't I didn't see the build up to her. Right. That's uh, her yeah. her doubt and okay, this is the thing that pushes me over. Right, it's like, I'm going to cite thing. this one example. And it's a pretty big example. It is a big example, but <laughs> if if she's if she is aware, as, as she as she says several times, she her her memory doesn't get affected like the others. So she has right, been right. completely cognizant of what the design has been for, as she says, millions of years. Oh yeah, sure. She's, she's helped one. Uh, I don't know hundreds of celestials come about right hundreds of emergences so has there has there been a little doubt here and there a little bit of questioning the creator and just the blind plan etc etc um i'm I'm with andy if that is is part of it that could have been probably built out a little bit better yeah it it just it just it it felt like it was more of a like snap to like change of (laughs) get it um (laughs) Like a little like shimmy that you did there when you snapped too. You're like really getting into it. <laughs> I get into my snapping. Hey, back off. Um, I'm trying to think of other characters. Uh, I I think Kit Harrington's going to be a very good Black Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, just based on what we saw in that. Um, I don't know a lot about the Black Knight. Uh, I would like to know a lot about him because he seems like a really cool Marvel character, but I never really read any of his comics. But 
I'm looking forward to anything that they bring us regarding that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the and I think we might probably talked about it earlier, but the the one of the downsides of this movie is introducing the team. Like it's it's two and a half ish hours or something probably runtime. Oh my god! And you still feel like you're missing getting invested with some of these characters, and that's just because, like Josh said, there's eleven people or you know give or take that get screen right. time. They cannot all get the same amount of backstory and screen time. You concentrate on three or four and that's enough to get the story going and you go. So some characters do feel like they get left behind. I think Druig's one. I think, uh, Makarai's another, um, you know, everybody, they get too late in the game in the second half of the movie that mm-hmm. they're picking up and forming the team. All of those people, I feel like get shortchanged. I would have liked to have seen more with those characters. Um, but to Andy's point, I do think most of them did pretty well. I think Druig was probably my least favorite out of all of them. Yeah, he sucked. I don't know if I like if I when, liked him. When, uh, like, you know, didn't uh, like him as, as vehemently as, as you do, but they, like he was fine for me. But yeah, definitely one that I, I think I liked everybody else better. When he when when they when they pan to uh oh, what was his name? Uh the Indian actor. Kamel? Kamel. Yeah. And he's like Druid sucks. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so here's, I, I get for me with Druid, I, I I think I you know like the part that sucks about Druid is he's right in what he's saying. It's just the way that he does things that puts everybody off. Yep. He's not wrong. He's just a dick. <laughs> yep. And I feel like that's, you know, like, I can relate to that in a lot of ways. But it's it's something that, you know, it, it's a good way to see them pointed out. Like, God damn, I wish he wasn't right, but does he have to be that way about it? Exactly. <laughs> see, that, um, that actor was probably the only major person that I was completely unaware that was in this movie. I don't believe he was a part of the 2019 big announcement. Um, he might have mm-hmm. been a, a later cast. And when he showed up, I'm like, holy shit, that's the kid from Dunkirk. And yeah. uh, I, I, I haven't seen it, but The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I heard he's very like haunting mm. in. It's it's, it's kind of uh, cerebral in a, in a way. It's like it's like a th- unsettling thriller kind of thing. Um, but I didn't know he was going to be in it. I was so surprised like i don't want to say i forgot about him but he is so missing for like an hour yeah yeah because he's in like the prologue and you get the split and then like he's just gone until they go seek him out with his you know tribe right later on um i didn't really fall into the problem with him like i i think his i think the actor played the character in the way that it they wanted you to to have him come across and it didn't bother me. Yeah, I don't have any problem with the acting. It's, you know, the character's a dick, but the actor, I feel like he portrayed it correctly. Right, right, right. And yeah. and maybe that just was off-putting to people because they didn't want that type of personality in the mix. I mean, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what did you think about characters and actors? Um... The only piece, so I'm going to piggyback. I think Andy, did you say that? I think it was was it you that uh, the the Athena and Icarus fight? You had hoped it had been more expanded. 
Yes, yes. So I was relieved and happy that they decided to keep Angelina Jolie as constrained as they did. If you tell me at, you know, at Comic-Con, they bring out this ensemble cast and Angelina Jolie is going to be in a Marvel movie finally, I'm like, okay, she's the lead. She's going to be competing with Selma Hayek for lead screen time and importance, and you're just not going to be able to get away from her. And they treated her, her character, and her just like everybody else. She she almost, I thought, was one of the people that actually got much less screen time than I thought her character needed. Um, however... In that moment, wouldn't that have been a good, a great opportunity as an excuse, sort of, to make up for that? Like, okay, here comes a big, epic clash. Even if the outcome still is going to be the same in the end, we're really going to showcase and highlight Angelina Jolie uh, in, in this moment. You know, you're going to get a lot of wire work and green screening and CGIing of this fight between her and Icarus, but... This is the moment where, okay, this is the reason that Angelina Jolie is in this movie. Yeah. You know? Um, so I was maybe surprised that they didn't give, like, a big punch moment like that for her. They had an opportunity to do it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, if, and if they were going to do it, that would have been a good place. But again, I, I'm not sad, necessarily, that they didn't. I was actually very like pleasantly surprised that... I was never taken out of the movie every second because I'm looking at Angelina Jolie in a Marvel movie. And as a counterpoint, I feel like they used her an appropriate amount, personally, because I never have really felt like she was a very good actress at all. Okay. But she has an intriguing look, and then she has the ability to be a good side character. But I feel like because she's Angelina Jolie, she gets pushed into main character status. And I feel like she never really has had the acting chops to be there. And in this role, I feel like she performed very well. Where they didn't give her a lot to do, they used her tools that she does have very well. That's a personal opinion, but I feel like they utilize her to the best possible extent. Um. Now, the, yeah, the fight could have been more of a spectacle absolutely yeah but the whole her having more dialogue or something like that i feel like i'm perfectly happy with where that landed yeah i think i i was sort of with josh i expected just looking at the cast list that angelina jolie and selma hayek were going to have a lot more screen time than what they did just just again just looking at the list i i assumed they were going to have more stuff to do and i think that's why it's kind of surprised me that that some high character died early on in the movie. Yeah. Like I was like, really? Wow. They well, killed her already. With the number of flashbacks they did, it was like, yeah, they showed her death, but it was still gonna. Right. But at the time, you know, like, you're that's not, what my thought was at the time, but they didn't really use her that much after that. Right. And, and even like the, like the way stuff started, I wasn't sure how much the flashbacks, I guess we're going to get utilized. So once you see her dead, it's like, well, are we actually going to see her again? Or is this, is this it? She's got like five minutes of screen time and that's it. Well, but, I feel like Salma Hayek is not what, like, it, she's not as big of a name and, like, a top of the cast type person as she used to be. 
Yeah, maybe. I, mean, I feel like 10 years ago, yeah. But I feel like now she's still like a, a big name, but I don't feel like... I feel like Richard Madden's a bigger name to have on your cast today than Salma Hayek. Probably, I, yeah. I think unless you've seen Game of Thrones, that Richard Madden doesn't mean anything to you. Very Yeah, which, I mean, to me, who hasn't seen Game of Thrones, I was kind of like, okay, that dude, sure. He looks kind of cool. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I knew he was in Game of Thrones, so I have that reference, but I don't know, like, how much he's in it or how important of a character he is in that show, other than, like, yeah, he's in that show. All right. Yeah, that, 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 again, of course. That's what he's known for. So. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you have anything else to add for characters or actors? Um, personally, uh, Richard Madden, to me, was the biggest disappointment. I know you had said you had really went for the character actress. I felt like I was looking for a lot more out of him. And I was hoping for a lot better. Okay. And I feel like I didn't get that. I felt like he was... I don't know. It just didn't feel genuine to me until the very end. I feel like the last 20% of the movie his performance stepped up into what I expected of him. And the other 80% of the movie, I was kind of like, this I mean, is he, whatever. He, he wasn't being, like, his character wasn't being genuine through that entire 80%. Right, I think that's though, on purpose. So. Like, no. he's hiding his agenda the whole time. No, I get that. But I'm saying, like, I was, like, it felt, he felt like he was reading lines from a cue card. You know what I mean? Like, okay. it felt like, Going through the motions a bit, I guess, is what I would want to say, as opposed to genuine. Like, I, like it just didn't feel as good as I know he can be. I, um, I, I still might argue I think that's on purpose, and I think it's more to the point you made earlier of, like, some of these characters not interacting as well with, like, humans. Humans. Not not being human. Right. Like, he's he's never gave a shit about the human being population on Earth at all. Other than their reactions to Cersei, yes. Right. So right. I, I think he comes out of his show a little bit when he's with the team, but just dealing with everybody else, I think you're right. He comes across as a little wooden and stiff and stuff like that. It, it, it could be a lot of that going into and th And that's where I feel like it's t tough to nail down opinions of that. Um, but, it, but moving past Richard Madden and all that, um, one, we talked about it when you introduced me for the show. Gilgamesh, we have not mentioned, was my absolute favorite character in this movie. <laughs> um, he's this big, strong dude who they task with taking care of the the mentally ill woman. And he's just like, yep, I'm making pie and brewing my own beer. And I'm just hanging out and eating some sweets and drinking some beer and this is what i do for thousands of years and i'm good with it and yet he's probably stronger than all of them from what we see he looks like he's the brute force yes yeah yeah and like he he's when, he's that yeah when they like, go and back it's and, just and wonderful find them where like in whatever region that they're living in and they just that first shot of him answering the door in that apron yeah just like yep Hey guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't as much of a laugh reaction in the theater as I think it deserved. Yeah. And I think it, it, it warranted that, but I, I really appreciated that moment. Do you... I, I love him grabbing the pie out of the oven with a bare hand. So yeah. there there I just want to make it a point that there were there were two both screenings I saw, there were two things that happened in the movie that got the biggest reaction. One of them we'll talk about in the end credit scene 
when a character sure. shows up. That got the biggest yeah, reaction yeah. from a certain demographic. That was my reaction mm-hmm. too, Josh. Don't the worry. the other reaction that had audible gasps both times is when the pie slips off the pan and hits the ground. <laughs> no, not the pie. Both both screenings. Like you could you could hear people just go, Oh like the, the you, oh, you I lost the that pie. pie. I was gonna eat that pie when I got home. <laughs> it it looked like a good pie. It did. Yeah. So I mean it, it's he seemed to be he was, I don't know, like the heart of the group to me. The, yeah. You know, like all that and, and, and there's something I I'll I'll get off of it. I could write a love letter to Gilgamesh all I want. <laughs> um there there's one big shining thing in the room I think needs said in that Kumail Nanjani or however you say his last name, that guy's a legit star now, and I feel like his presence in this movie was whatever. I see I like I him didn't too. I, I liked him, but it was just like I he, he didn't matter to this movie. His it, like his character's existence in the plot was irrelevant. And I um I didn't care his, for his, his ballet matter. I didn't care for his turn at the end where he sort of agreed with Icarus and didn't want to. See, help. I kind of like that stance though that he took. Like, look, I yeah, believe in the cause, but I respect you guys too much to fight you over it. I'm just going to go my separate way and leave you guys alone. Like, I kind of dug... I I was disappointed he was not involved in the climax of the movie. Right. But I got where his character was coming from, and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You want to take that stance? Cool. I'm fine. I'm good with that. But I will say his interactions with his valet were yes. amazing. Yeah. And, and the valet at the end humanizes the whole thing. Yes. When he thanks them for everything they've done, yeah, for humanity, it to me that signi- signified this realization on his part that these people or beings or whatever you want to call the Eternals in that room are they shaped our world, and he is saying to them, "Yeah, you know what? A lot, a lot of our world sucks, but a lot of it's great." So thank you for everything you did to get this world to where it's at. That was the best moment in this movie for me. Yeah, that was up there. Yeah. Um, like I felt like I was meant to be emotional for other parts of the movie. Second viewing, that part when he's finally saying goodbye and thanking everybody, that was the part that I started get tearing for, tearing up for the second time I saw it. I don't know why it hit it, me that much harder the second time, but it did. I think it's because it's that moment. It's that realization that you see him like you, you you know it's coming, but you now you understand more the second time through when you know he's going to thank them. It's like, man. And then he thanks right. them and walks out of that ship expecting to die. Yeah. He's because like, well, at that point, they don't have the plan. The team is breaking up. They have he's under the impression they have no way to stop this thing. And the inevitable yeah. is coming. And he still thanks them and leaves. And, and he yeah. knows what they're intentions are at the moment at least most of them but it's also been revealed to him because he's been along for the ride long enough that he now understands and i think one of the characters even uses this term once they all start to learn the truth that they are lambs for slaughter yeah that is the reason that humanity exists and has been protected and has been fostered and everything they are 
literally being that... they're being farmed. Yes, and... and and that one human being has more perspective on the existence of the human race than anybody else on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he looks at these gods and just says, "Well, even though the, thank yeah, you. even though this was your original plan and 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 your original purpose for us, and we all now realize that." You know, I, I'm hearing your change of heart, and for whatever it's worth, I guess it's appreciated. Yeah. Thank you for what you gave us anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for characters, actors, actresses, all that, the last thing I would like to say is that Gemma Chan, to me, is now a leading actress that I want to see in movies. I want to see what she does next. She was fantastic. She was genuine throughout the entire movie. It felt like an excellent performance to me. And she was the one person I feel like gave a truly excellent performance start to finish. I do think, like, again, coming into this, I would have expected Selma Hayek or Angelina Jolie or someone with a little bit more name recognition to sort of be the star of the movie. Yeah. When you start to get like a third of the way in, you realize, no, 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 no. It's following her. She's the lead. Mm -hmm. She carried this movie the whole way through. I agree. I think she was great. I was shocked um, with her casting, um, not because she, like, we, you know, we've, I've done it for years, looking at people getting recast in these movies, but... Between One World. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's actually, you know, she came literally, like, right from Captain Marvel to getting cast in this. Captain Marvel comes out in March of 2019. Her casting in this is publicly announced in July of 2019. So she's put in two different movies in the same universe in two different roles. And I, I was happy that the way that like her makeup, her costuming, et cetera, and Marvel, it wasn't like I didn't even have a second of having to tell my mind, okay, that's not her character from the yeah. other one. Okay, she's she's now Cersei. Okay. Okay, but wait, because you're blowing my mind. I don't think I realized she was in Captain Marvel. Yeah, she, yeah she was one of the Kree. She's one of the Kree. She's Minerva. She's the, like, so, oh, she's the sniper yeah. lady. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. I've connected the dots now. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, um, you're right. Yeah, the makeup helps. It yes, does. I agree. A lot in her yeah. case. Because, like like I said, I, I was shocked that just from a production standpoint, the producers would think, okay, we've, we've recycled some things before, but never that fast. Yeah. And never you know who fresh. they could get away with this with as well? Hmm. Lee Pace. Uh, someone like that, yes. He he could be Ronan and somebody else entirely, and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Because he's so disguised as Ronan. Yes. It would work. So it's 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 that Cree connection. You could filter down the line a little bit. That would work. Yeah. Sorry, I, that was random, but... Um, uh, I'd like to circle back around to Gilgamesh a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like, huh? I said absolutely more Gilgamesh. I'm excited. <laughs> um, I feel like Icarus stuck him with the strong deviant on purpose, knowing that he might eventually have to face him. I can believe oh, that. Okay. Yeah, knowing that uh, Gilgamesh would want to probably prevent the emergence, he knew that he would probably, if. Gilgamesh and Thena were on the same page against Icarus. I don't think Icarus would have won. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, you know, I know Gilgamesh tells him to go, but he could have helped 
they could have conquered that and yeah. then gone. You know, I think I feel like that was a calculated flight on the part of Icarus. I gotcha. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, to give her a little bit of due, I would say that even though, yes, I agree that Makari did not get enough attention um, overall when it came to that final fight. I absolutely loved how much she was just kicking Icarus's ass. Well, that shows why like characters like the Flash are so powerful with just pure speed. Yeah, the it, one thing I kept thinking it's all of you need. was uh, injustice. Like it kept yeah i kept coming back to injustice every time someone had to kick icarus's ass was like okay this is the superman character and they make that joke in the movie right yeah similarities to superman um but yeah just seeing everyone's tactics against him to try to disarm him and yeah the just even just the effects for all of that like the sound design the way it looked when she was speeding around kicking his ass like all of that i loved every single second of that and what is that actress's name because she's fantastic uh, Lord, I don't, Lauren, I don't know. Lauren, yeah, or Rich Ridloff. Ridloff, yeah, there's an L there. Long run, and I believe she's still going on The Walking Dead. Uh, she's a fantastic actress, and I hope she gets more work. Is in... she a deaf actress, or did she only yes. play yes. a deaf person on this? She is deaf. Okay. Uh, I I feel like that's I actually seen a recent thing like that that's something like um uh what's his name son of a bitch John Krasinski I feel like something similar happened here like John Krasinski on the set of A Quiet Place like asked a whole bunch of people to learn uh sign language on set and I feel like I remember hearing something similar about her but I don't. I can't confirm why it happened, but yeah, I mean it would make sense. Um, anybody else we want to talk about for characters, actors? I mean, there's a few we haven't touched on, so I can spin back around to those if we want to touch on some of them. Yeah, um, I would but... say Fa- Faust, Faustus, Faustus. Um, I was I didn't have a problem with it in the world, but I was very surprised. Uh, I was just not prepared. I did not know in advance the storyline that they eventually were writing for him um i thought it was great to see them humanize and normalize one of them in like okay regardless of the consequences i'm going to try to live in certain mortal ways and i'm going to take on a companion a mortal companion and we're gonna have a family and i understand what the implication of that is um, and whatnot. Um, I, I loved all the visual shit that they did with with him and the manifestation of his abilities. Um, yeah, that, that, that was, was really, really cool. cool. Did not expect him to go toe-to-toe with Icarus no. and be able to contain him as long as he did. So that was that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, I feel like they underplayed just how powerful he could be. It's one of those things that, like, I think that's part of even the Greek mythology around the god Hephaestus. That Hephaestus was actually just as powerful as Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. But Hephaestus was deformed and different, so he was cast aside. Hmm. Um, and not given as much credit, I guess. So I think, I don't think that they played, like, the deformed and different side of it is being cast aside as powerful 
but I like the way that they played the Eternals that I guess I didn't realize before is all of them representing some of the gods that people recognize today with Hephaestus, with Athena, with uh, Mercury, with um, Icarus being maybe not a god, but a, you know, a um, character of legend, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Yeah, Gilgamesh. Exactly. Like it's they they all were some different form of mythological deity, I guess. I like that part of it. I did like I didn't ever remember reading or getting that from the comic when I read it. And maybe that's cuz I wasn't reading into it far enough or I just don't remember. But it was cool. It was very cool. Uh, I think one one eternal that we haven't mentioned is Sprite. What do you guys think of of Sprite? She did a very good job, and the powers were really fucking cool. Yeah, I think there was some capability sets so similar to say Loki that they weren't oh, okay. Sure, you know, like with the illusions and right, right, and whatnot that they might have intentionally held her back from. Mm the instances in which she applied them so that you didn't have the similarities so, you know, front-facing. Yeah. Uh, I, I dug it, though. I th- I, th- I liked her. I liked her arc. Like, it, it's... And I think she did a pretty good job, like, portraying someone that is so old but doesn't look old and is, you know... They sort of set that up in the beginning of her in the bar and, you know, setting the illusion that she's right. some teenager or 20 year old woman at college and you know even more symbolism of the stuff that she wants but can't have mm-hmm. and i uh go ahead sorry. now just just how that reflects to the movie and that's the you know the storyline that carries her through um i i kind of dug all that i love the scene where she called um the uh valet young man Oh yes, that yeah. seemed so odd. You're like, wait, what? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> when he keeps pulling out all the cameras that they he can't keep yeah. packed with him. <laughs> yeah, how many cameras do you have, young man? <laughs> which the which... one thing I kept thinking about with like Camille is like, you think about it. Okay, on set without any special effects, he's literally going around in action sequences and to people and pointing finger guns at people. Finger guns, yeah, all like, over set. How how can you keep us <laughs> like? There's a moment at the end of the movie when Icarus turns and the camera shows his fa- his hand making the finger gun and then slowly bringing it up to camera as he's saying something completely dead-ass serious to Icarus. And all I'm thinking the whole time is like, how do you keep a straight face if you are on set and have to do the sideways finger gun <laughs> kill, kill camera <laughs> and try, and try to deliver something seriously without cracking a smile? Like, that's got to be hard. But, you know, props to you, buddy. That was take number six. I mean, six. there's yeah. yeah. I was gonna say there was no way that's in one take. Like that's you get all that out. The first time he did that, everybody on set died laughing. Like, and I feel like it's the same thing with like lightsabers. Like when when everybody uses a lightsaber in a Star Wars show or movie or whatever, they're talking about they how they they provide themselves the sound effects. If you are making finger guns and you you're probably sitting there going pew 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 pew, pew like you're doing it yourself. <laughs> I feel like they have to like. In that case, he has to, like, edit himself doing the pews, you know what I mean? Like, he has to just be like, don't do it, don't do it, right. don't do it. Like, do it in your head, do it in your head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
It's one of those things where you probably see the final cut of the movie and you're like, wow, they did make me look cool. I feel like less of an asshole now, just running around with finger guns everywhere. <laughs> did they make him look cool, though? I feel like I thought it really worked. Like... It worked for me. I uh, loved it. I will say, as far as power sets and whatnot, his was the most bland. Once it I got like... over that he was literally making finger guns and shooting everything, I was like, this is cool. I guess. like, But everybody else seems to be a bit more specialized and his is more... Okay, I'm I'm exuding energy shots from my body. He's the projectile just, guy. They I'm gotta going, have a ranged guy. <laughs> I don't know. I know Cersei's was pretty bland. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. It was very. Basic. They used it, it to passive. cooler effect. It was I much think. more passive. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you could you could and, do more with what it. What was a- Ajax only healed? Is what was her? Ajax could heal. Yeah, that was she it. Was a healer. Okay. Yeah, I mean they had a full like. MMO party. raid team. <laughs> yeah, like, they were ready to go, like... <laughs> DPS, DPS. I mean, Yogamesh <laughs> was a tank. Athena and uh, Icarus were your DPS, and you had your healer, you had your range, you had your magic with Sprite, yeah. you know? Um, you had it all going on. Were you guys surprised how many Eternals actually died in this movie? I don't think I expected that many to go in the first yeah. movie. I was surprised. I I didn't honestly have any expectation on life or death for them going in at all. I hadn't they even lost... considered, like, damn, a lot of them are going to die. It didn't even, so yeah. Like, Ajax went, Gilgamesh went, Icarus went. <sighs> Am I missing anybody else? The three of them. I guess that makes sense. You need... Icarus, Ajax, you need, Gilgamesh. You, you, take, you take the leader, and that acts as a, a push forward in the story. Right. You know, she's the most ancient seeming if you will and whatnot that that you need uh uh a casualty you need collateral you need something to invest us in and that's gilgamesh and then your resolution from from the 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 conclusion of of the story you know i I thought it was interesting that in the end icarus does choose to kill himself well, yeah. I think that's a bit of a well, an arc that has to apply to him because they can't have him just be murdered by the other characters, right? Because the, he is a murderer, right? If if he if, is, if they had defeated like he murdered him, Ajax. if they had defeated him in battle, it would have not been as surprising. That's fine, yeah. Since since he decided yeah. to help them in their decision, but ultimately, you know, I can't live with myself continuing. Right, you're still a murderer with what I've done you know, and, and like whatever it's... is to come next, and and all of that, and you know. I'm under the impression he didn't out. help though. Like I think he was an unwilling participant to what happened at the end. The only thing he chooses to do is not kill Cersei. Yeah, but I feel like even at that point, like it's the the question becomes: Does he kill himself? He like he forgives. He realizes what he did. He comes around morally in his own mind. He has that moral swap. Of like, damn, I was wrong. That I agree to, but I, let's go back to that other point. Yeah. You you think that at some point he involuntarily got linked in to the yes. mind thing? Yes, I think they all that, did. That was my intent. Because they yeah, even make the like point even at some point, like wherever uh, Kingo is, I feel like he gets attached to that too somewhere on Earth. Because they they say something after the whole thing, like, oh, everyone was linked, even Icarus and Sprite. Like, they had no intention of helping form the Unimine, and yet they were part of it. Yeah. Well, in his... 
All right, so I'm coming along the ride with you most of the way there in his moment because I, I feel like if, from what I remember, wherever Cersei is and wherever he is, he displaces from wherever he is to wherever she is. Yes. And it felt to me like he had a moment in the in, in, in that he would the, he was then making a choice. Yes, it, it, as one of you just said, he was choosing not to kill her, but he was deliberately joining what was what was happening or could have stopped or disconnected himself if he had wanted to that's how i took it yeah i think it's two separate things i think he he chooses not to kill cersei just for love of cersei like i have no doubt that he absolutely loved cersei yeah, so at that moment right at the climax he he can't kill the woman he loves sure and at that moment he knows he lost now whether that means he feels defeated and that somehow opened him up to be linked but because Cersei is feeding from the Celestial, mm-hmm. like the, the Celestial has the power, it's feeding into Cersei, and then Cersei uses that to link to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if they were signed up to do this or not, every other Eternal is then linked th- that way, and then everything powers up and she saves the day. Sure. And I guess that uh, as part of what, similar to what Mike was saying earlier about like the acting choices, was it deliberate or was it not, I think. I, I would view his conclusion, his story arc conclusion differently, depending on the truth of what happened to him in that moment. Okay. Whether it was more of an yeah, active sure. choice or whether it was passive or involuntary. Well, I mean, whatever the case might be, I feel like it's a character protection for the others not to kill him and to have him kill himself. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's his own arc because it's Icarus flying into the sun, so it really fucking works. And that's a really cool way for him to do it. But, you know, for listeners out there, when I say character protection, I'm referring to the fact that we don't have the main characters committing murder Mm -hmm. to kill him because he killed Ajax. There has to be consequence to that for him morally as a moral arc for the character. There has to be some end to that. There has to be a resolution to that situation and he chose to end that himself or the, well rather the writers chose to end that resolution with him taking himself out mm-hmm. as opposed to putting moral jeopardy onto one of the existing remaining living continuing characters see i was really hoping that like in that moment when he flies off that he sort of sort of like josh is describing did have some sort of moral moral um like epiphany and, like, just is going to go to space to, like, just meditate on it or, or, you know, figure his shit out. And then we'd see him somewhere later. And then he just continues to fly into the sun. I'm like, what the... What? What? No, don't go in. I want to see more of you. <laughs> that, for me, as soon as he went to space, I was like, he's flying into the sun. Yeah, I didn't... Because yeah, it, it was Icarus, I was like, yeah, he's going to I thought maybe he was going to go hunting for Arish. And... Oh, yeah. I could see. I could have seen that, too. Um, all right, let's wrap up characters and actors, but just like, do you have a favorite character out of everybody? Whether can, that's can an I eternal cash, or not, but. Can I counter, before we do that, can I counterpoint something real quick? Yeah, good. Uh, I wanted to counterpoint the fact that you said all of those eternals like died in this movie. Uh, you forget that there was basically like a droid factory full of all of their bodies and mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. an Very entire. True library of memories of millions of years of emergences right so they're there it's not out of the realm of possibility to be able to see some of these characters again 
I did, you know, I did make that comment, I think, to Josh after the fact that I, I was on the impression the, the scene you're describing when they show the factory of Eternals, I interpreted that as Aramis was sending the same team everywhere, like just making copies of the same team and sending them everywhere. So to your point, we could see these characters again, just they'd just be a different version of themselves from another yeah. one of these teams. I think Josh made the point where he thought they might be different characters and not all the same set of people. Well, I think we have evidence that to Josh's thing. Considering the end credit scene, yes. 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 That's what I would yeah, we we were not supposed to talk about that yet, so I I didn't want to but yes. Okay. But 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 who's to know in the millions of years of them doing these emergencies, maybe uh a few of them have died along the way that Ajax wasn't able to save and had to have been, you know, like replaced for the next mission. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Is is what I'm sort of getting at. So it's one team, okay. but every time they send the team out, they they replenish any lost heroes and and throw them in. Okay, that, I that's gotcha. that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Um. So yeah, just around the horn. Do you guys have a favorite character out of the movie? Um. Josh, you got a favorite? <sighs> um. I didn't I mean to know. put you on the spot. I, I guess if I had. <laughs> I mean, maybe Cersei. I think she had maybe the most complete, fleshed-out character. Uh, okay. I think everyone. I think everyone. Almost, almost everyone had an arc, and I kind of yeah. understood most people beginning to end, with the exception of a few. But uh, yeah, I think she might be the most robustly um, put together as we got. Okay, uh, Mike. Gilgamesh. No, that's yeah. I should have saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, I mean honestly, like when it happened in the theater right afterwards, we talked about it. I'm like, man, I'm just really sad they killed off Gilgamesh because. Or did they? He was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah. We just had that discussion, but it, nonetheless, he was fucking awesome. Um, a man of my own heart. You know, I mean, I can really relate to a guy that's like pie, beer, let's do this, <laughs> and that you know, like I'm, I'm all there for, and then you know, like he. Gilgo, definitely Gilgo. Would you drink the uh, the the beer that's fermented spit and corn <laughs> that he's made? Well, it, it was what you only like live a, once a, a beer mead wine hybrid. I think he said. Yeah, he said something about like, well, was it a different drink or was it that drink that he like chews the kernels individually and spits them all back? Yeah, into the... it was the okay. same. It was the same hybrid drink. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you only live once, and that sounds to me like something you ain't getting anywhere else, and that <laughs> is some serious dedication and effort that went into that and usually that produces the best stuff so i'm Fair. drinking that for sure uh andy you got a favorite character oh, that's so tough i know who i don't like <laughs> <laughs> i think you've made that pretty clear <laughs> uh it, it's tough because a lot of the arcs i i really i really liked like i liked festus i liked his arc and the humanity he provided to eternals who really aren't meant to be such um sprite's character was really cool being in love for thousands of years with someone she knew she could never have that was like her arc was really cool um i liked uh god i can't remember his name um why can't i remember his name you gonna give us a hint on who you're dane dane who the hell's dane john snow oh um I was just guessing what you were trying to add. <laughs> no, uh, Kijani or what's what's his name? Oh, Camille. Uh, Karan. Camille. Yeah. What's what's his character's name? Kingo. Kingo. 
Kingo. I liked his comedic relief, but I feel like I felt like his arch his arc was was lacking. Um, it's a tough call. I, I'm I'm gonna say Thena, just because I feel like she foreshadowed. The, I liked how they foreshadowed everything that was coming about using her. Yeah, and you thought that she. I almost thought that she was gonna be sort of like the big bad. If I was going to pick somebody, it was going to be the one that was seemed like they were going ape shit halfway through the movie. Right. Incontrollable. Like, you know, not in control of their, act, their own actions. I figured that would have been the one that was turning on the team. I, I would probably say hers. And I, I'm not like a huge Angelina Jolie fan, but I felt like they, like Josh said, used her correctly. Yeah. I still think I don't know why. After two viewings, I still come out of it, and the one that I keep coming back to is Icarus. I still really like Icarus's story and how that portrayed and how that worked for me. Um, close second, I think, is Cersei. I think she did awesome and uh, had the, probably the most complete arc out of everybody. Uh, she had the most screen time for sure. Yeah. Um. So I think that was it for me. Um. Right. Anything else that we want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? This is our this is our everything else category. I'll try to pay attention. Uh, well, I guess real quick, I I don't think this one will take very long. I I uh, will try to pay attention to it more when I get around to a second viewing. But I feel like I enjoyed the music in this a lot. I mean, the, the, when they went like back and forth in time, and they have these characters also spread out in modern day over big periods. Like I think the mixture of it was good at feeling modern like modernly composed but also not like over the top um classical or timeless or or anything i think it was a, a good mixture but like i said I'd, I'd have to make sure to try to pay attention to it a bit more yeah but it nothing ever like everything that i heard uh felt like it complemented all the scenes very well so okay. I, I was going to go to the same place with music mm. and um, composing this movie. We have Ramin Jawadi, um, who you may know f- also from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, did the Game of Thrones work. And I was expecting so much better. Mm. So, you know, when I hear that he's attached to it, you know, there's he is fairly new. He is very talented and we have this whole new team for him to work with. And I think about the Marvel Universe and the different themes that we have. And I feel like this is where this movie's failing. Mm, okay. Because you think about Guardians of the Galaxy. You can you can hear that theme in your head right now. You think about Captain America and you can hear that theme in your head. The Avengers, you can hear that. So, I can go on. The point is... I don't feel like we have that theme here. And if we were going to get a Marvel Heroes theme that we could hear in the future, I would have loved to hear what he could bring to that, and I feel like we didn't get that. So that disappointed me. Other than that, I feel like it was really good. I just wanted that that theme somewhere where I was like, oh yeah, it's Eternals time. (laughs) Yeah, I think the... the Soundtrack was good. I don't think it stood out for me as like Mike saying as much as I wanted it to. Um, 
I tried to actually listen to the soundtrack off, like after seeing the movie, just to see if it would stick out to me anymore. And there is a track that I think is called Eternal's Theme. And even listen to it outside of the movie, I was I still can't think in my head right now how it goes, which is not yeah. great for a theme. But I mean, I don't remember it like pulling me out of the movie. Like it just I, it fit with what was going on in the movie. Um, maybe right. I have to give it a little bit more plays before I, I start to get a feel for it. But yeah, it was it was fine for me. Like I, I think I wanted more, but it didn't pull me out of it, so it's fine. It, it was nothing outstanding. It, I, I honestly didn't notice any of the score too much during the movie. So like Josh said, it didn't pull me out, but it didn't really, it doesn't have any staying power either. Yeah. The the one thing I'm glad that they didn't do was, I, I even I think during the Marvel crawl, somewhere toward the beginning, there's like one pop song that's used. And I don't even remember which one it is. Oh, yeah, it's um, uh, shit. It's it's Pink Floyd. Is it? Is there anybody else? Wait, oh, shit. What, Mike? Do you remember this? I feel like, I feel like he's giving you a look like he does not. No, I don't recall Pink Floyd in this movie. Oh like, yeah, it was. You, it was you may the not be wrong. It was the beginning of the movie. Was Pink Floyd? Uh, I yeah. Can't what song it was though? Um, it's 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 a Pink Floyd song. And what I was worried that they would do is like okay we have another sci-fi space oriented team movie we're introducing that they would try to insist on replicating somewhat of the guardians of the galaxy formula and have a bunch of needle drops along the way and i'm really glad that they didn't yeah they need to be their own thing yeah like that that's the guardians thing that's their thing that's the star lord character that's why it's a part of it leave it there oh it's i'm glad they did i should have noticed it's uh the the floyd song is called time all right well that makes sense i'm assuming it's probably played during some of the flashbacks um it's like right it's it's It's, within the the prologue and i guess where like during like the marble crawl yeah at the beginning Uh, okay okay isn't time the one that has the whole bunch of like the different like alarm and bells and at the beginning of it, yes, like the actual song it has that. So that but I think that, the that snippet part that they, they played, I think they cut the the bell sounds, the clock sounds out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh, among other things, for me, uh, the special effects on the monsters were amazing. Um. I, I don't know how to decipher one from the other. I mean, you had, like, the ones that flew, and the one that was, like, a wolf, and the one that was... It, but whatever, they, they looked really fucking good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think even I just the, the effects in, like, just in general, not even just, like, those look good, yeah. but I think, like, even the... I, I had a really hard time, and I was trying to look for it. Like, a lot of the weapons and stuff they use with, like, the, the scripture-looking stuff that glows. Yeah, it looked like schematics or something. That Yeah. Like, yeah. And after a really while, cool. I start to lose track of what is practical and what is CG. And I think that's a testament to the movie. Like, Yeah, I agree. Because I, I'm, I guarantee you, there's got to be weapons and stuff. Like, some of the stuff that Angelina Jolie uses, like her sword and stuff and axe or whatever. I feel like she's actually holding some sort of practical weapon or blade or something mm-hmm. that has to have some sort of light in there to make it glow because you have the lighting effect that's in camera. I don't think that's an effect. I think that's there when they're shooting. 
but there's other definite times where it's, there's CG added to it when they're fighting and moving stuff around. So, but because I couldn't tell what was CG and what was practical, I was like, okay, well they've they've won me over with the effects. They look great. I agree. Those are like Thena's effects in particular, and Gilgamesh with yeah. like the gauntlet thing. Yeah. That was awesome, and I feel like the effect they gave him with like, oh look, he's gonna punch and then. Boom, and the earth shakes, and it's like, holy shit, what just Sound happened? Sound design went a big way, I think, in this movie, too. Like, mm -hmm. the impact of Gilgamesh's punches and, like, the sound barrier breaking of uh, Makarai speeding around, mm -hmm. where she would, like, run, and I think it's like, she wouldn't even hit somebody. She would stop in front of them, and the sonic boom that follows her would hit somebody. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. that was cool as shit. I, I, I really appreciated Icarus's, like, I don't know what else to call them other than eye lasers. That sound <laughs> yeah. was, was all Cyclops thing. Yeah. Pretty cool. He had a Cyclops pose in there too that I was like, this is a, this is a Cyclops like trading card where he's like, puts his arm out oh, yeah. and like, like shoots up in the air. Like the that's sky. a Cyclops pose. Like It ah. is. In so many different fucking X-Men comics through the year, that is an exact Cyclops yes. pose. Yeah, so that's many the first times. thing I thought of. Um, Anything else from you guys? For the for the everything else category, I think we've hit everything that I wanted to touch on. Is this when we're doing the snippets? We'll do the end credits. credits. Yeah, if we're good with okay. the everything else. Uh, Go for it. Okay, so we'll do the credits. So I'll roll through like just what they are, just to refresh everybody's memory, and then we'll talk about them. So <clears throat> the mid credit scene has Thena, Druig, and Makarai out in space on their ship. Uh, they are interrupted by a drunken leprechaun looking dude dwarf <laughs> he's a dwarf dwarf okay um who introduces us to another eternal uh who is thanos's brother eros also known as star fox oh and he's played by harry styles which is the second crowd reaction that i got in both screenings of the movie I most of which were teenage girls you could hear screaming whenever <laughs> he appeared on screen can i note my old manness <laughs> you don't know who that is no, I didn't. <laughs> um, I had to ask Amy who that was. Yeah. Because the, the, the same kind of reaction happened with some of the young girls in the audience. And I was like, I didn't get it. Yeah. And I had to ask why that happened. I think Josh had the same reaction, actually. <laughs> a, a little bit. I, 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 I think it's also, I think, it, is, it, is, his, is his character Star Fox or Star, Star Fire? Fox. Star Fox. Fox. Oh, okay. Yes. Starfire is DC. Ah, that's what I'm getting. Okay. Uh, yeah, the only reason that, so I had to ask if that is who that was or like, who is that? And someone said the name. I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't recognize the face as a thing on its own. And then when I was told the name, I'm like, oh, that guy. And see, like, I, I recognized that the name was a thing. Uh -huh. She said, oh, it's Harry Styles. I'm like, I've heard that before. Who is he? <laughs> See, and I, I, had to be I remember told that he, oh like he was with one direction or whatever and I'm like, yeah oh, okay. and i i went what's one direction? i went through that I... arc a couple of years ago when he was in dunkirk okay so he had a small role in dunkirk and when that was all happening that's when i had learned all that crap but yeah when he walked out on screen and same thing i heard uh, higher registered <laughs> voices um all needing a change of uh of, of pants then i i said oh is this a person this is a thing and someone said yeah it's harry styles oh okay that's great i'm so happy he's here now. 
Um, Andy, do you have something to add? I thought you were going to uh, say something. I was just you... gonna. I was just gonna say the same thing. Sort of happened to me. Uh, I was only in the theater with like five other. It was me and Jess, and then five other people. So like, didn't really get much in the way of reactions. <laughs> right. But uh, I didn't immediately recognize who Harry Styles is. Like, I know who he is. Like One Direction. Like in like his solo stuff, I, I recognize, but. Immediately, I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and then, like, when well, we were discussing it on the way in, she's like, what did you think about Harry Styles? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you finally put he? a name to the face. Yeah, and I was like, oh, shit, that was him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he shows up on screen. He tells the rest of the Eternals that their friends are in trouble, and he knows where to find them. Um, I did look up, try to get, a like, a comic book history quickly for who Star Fox is, because I have no idea who the fuck this character is. Um, I didn't find a lot to go on. Um, his introduction in the movie kind of gives you really all the inf- relevant information that I feel like I got from a quick biography that I read that he's an eternal. He comes from Titan. He's the brother of Thanos and he goes by the nickname Star Fox. Marvel.com describes him as a charming, uh, womanizer. <laughs> so I honestly Correct. don't know how he fits into the MCU and what they plan to do with him from here. But I mean, what do you guys think of the reveal and the casting and we'll go from there. So- the casting, I I don't really know what to make of because he doesn't really have a lot of acting credits, and we'll see if he's good or not. Yeah, he looks appropriate for the role. Um, he looks like Star Fox, pretty well. You know what I mean. Um, in terms of Star Fox as a character in the comics and what storylines he plays a lot into, there's a couple. Um, there is. So this will be confusing for listeners if you don't read comics, but what we have already seen in the Marvel Universe is based upon the Infinity Gauntlet storyline in the comic books. As a whole, the Infinity Gauntlet is the name of that story that we saw. Um, However, we saw a movie already called The Infinity War. Star Fox, actually, the comic book version of what is called Infinity War is actually kind of where Star Fox first shows up and starts interacting with things, and we start to see what the hell his deal is there. Um, And I believe he also plays a big part in, I think it was just called Infinity, which was actually pretty recent, like 2010s, somewhere in there. Um... Which ends up focusing more on Thanos' son than it does Eros, but um, he plays a part there. Other than that, I don't really know a lot about the character personally. Uh, but it, it like it's one of those weird things, like, oh, hey, I'm this red... And it's just as weird in the comics. Like, here's this big, giant, purple dude named Thanos, and I'm a... Irish-looking lad named Eros, and I'm his brother. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, (laughs) So, I'm sure they will eventually explain it, and without spoiling too much about exactly how that comes about. Well, because I don't know, like, the little bit I think I read about, like, comic book history is, like, somehow he's associated with Adam Warlock, who we know we're getting in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But yes, their their adventures, from what I sort of read, were tied to them trying to hunt down Infinity Gems or, or yes, stones. Yes, in the Infinity War. Yeah. Except that the stones do no longer exist in the MCU right now. So I feel in like that kind this, of... Y- 
I, um, I see where you're going. With everything yeah. else going on, there's a chance we could see them again. I don't think... If Marvel is smart, I don't think they'll bring them back. I think the Infinity Stones, the Gauntlet, that storyline is dead and gone. And this is... We're moving on to something else and going from here. And if they're... If his storyline in the comics is tied to the, the stones or the gems, I think they have to find him something else to do because I, I personally do not expect to see the gems ever again. I... So to be fair, in the comics, they reintroduce them time and time again throughout like the history of the comics since right. they've been there. They do get reintroduced a bunch. Um, this character specifically, I was shocked to see brought into the MCU because it's a very difficult character to explain. It's a very difficult character to give a motivation to. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, to bring Star Fox in at this point um yeah he's the brother of thanos but it's also like the fuck are they gonna do with this guy like what why is he here right um i'm interested to see but i'm also perplexed a bit okay um andy what do you think of the whole thing do you like the reveal the any idea what do you think this character could do or i'm assuming pip is the herald of star fox friend kind of like yeah it, it, i mean at least in the comics the way they're playing him here he's just kind of doing his thing but pip is like from what i remember in the comics pip is kind of a drunken asshole like it, it is like just like the sidekick i guess more than the herald okay like a friend but just like that drunken idiot just like yeah go do this okay and that's how a lot of dwarves are played in the Marvel comics. I, I, I was thinking he was more of a satyr. But he's a dwarf? As far as I know, Pip is... So, th this is where the MCU is confusing me. Because... In the comics, Pip would have fit into the same realm of dwarves as Eitri. Um, Peter Dinklage's character from... Infinity War. Yeah, okay. Right. They would have been the same. Um, you know, the uh menders of Uru, if you will. Um, that you know, they, they work in making weapons like Mjolnir and things like that. They would have been from the same place doing the same thing. Quite a sizable difference between the two. <laughs> That's why I'm not entirely sure where they're going. <laughs> So, yeah, the, like, as far as I can tell, that I mean, that's where they would be, but what they're going to do with Pip, I, either way, he was fun. I liked him. Well, do you yeah, think he was the yeah. worst looking CG thing we've seen in this movie? So I don't know if that was just like a rushed post credit scene that they just didn't give it the yeah, time it, to settle. It, it but... looked, yeah, it looked really cartoony and it, and it did sort of pull me out at that, at that point. Yeah. When I saw him, I was like, eh. But as far as Harry Styles goes, I mean, like, his costume looked cool, and he looked like he could play the role if they give him one. Yeah. We, we uh, also, Josh, what do you think? Well, I I mean, I, I would like to highlight the fact that Patton Oswalt is Pip the Troll more than I care about Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. He is a troll and not a dwarf. I, I'm way more happy that Patton Oswalt, even in... Uh, you know, if, if in voice only is in the MCU proper now. 
Yeah. Yeah, because we talked after the movie. We got Patton Oswalt in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which, you know, may or may not fit MCU. We've had this discussion before, but... Yeah, having him straight up in the MCU, that's always... It's good for us. Who was he in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Agent Koenig. He plays, like, hey, four oh, of he his was own brother. Spoilers, come on, man. Just another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Okay, okay. Um, so, I correcting myself, I was wrong. Pip is a troll. Okay. He's not a dwarf. So it still holds up. But he, So then, yeah, him and the Dinklage would be correct. different then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would okay. be different. Dinklage was still a deviation from... A reverse, the, reverse dwarf. Yeah, like from <laughs> the classic dwarves that make the Uru weapons for Asgardians. Yeah. He was definitely a deviation, but... Nonetheless, go ahead. Um, I don't. I mean, that's kind of all I got. I don't like. I don't know where they're going to take this character. Like, like the you know the little bit we sort of talked about. I don't think there's too much history to go on that I think can apply here. Like at least where we're at right now in the MCU. Um, so I don't know. I'm. I'm. I will be more likely to be learning about this character as the movies introduce us to him. Like I probably won't go out of my way to look anything else up. I've gone as far as I can go or want to go, and. Because I kind of, for the most part, went into this movie blind. Like, I didn't really know anything about the Eternals. I let this movie tell me what they wanted to tell me. And I liked the story. So I'll probably still try to do that with Eros and wherever they take Star Fox and stuff like that. So I'll just see where they go. I mean, they might go the direction of, like, the Collector, who you really don't ever really see, except for maybe, like, a minute here and a minute there. True. I mean, Benicio Del Toro is a pretty big name. And yeah. I mean, I get, I get, I guess, I get the impression that he, they're, they're setting Star Fox up to be some sort of, in, in, you know, the the movie ends with the Eternals will return, so I'm assuming he's gonna have to be part of the team in the sequel, but that's presumptuous, I guess, on my part. So I'm expecting to see more of him, more, more than the Collector, at least. Um, anything else for the the first credit scene, or we get to the second one? Nothing. All right. Uh, so the second scene we get is after the credits. Uh, the scene has Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman looking at a case with a family crest on it. After some hesitation, he opens the case to reveal a sword. The inscription inside the case in Latin uh, has a has an inscription inside the case in Latin that translates to "Death is my reward." Dane reaches to touch the blade. The blade seems to react to his approach. Uh, before he can touch the blade, he's stopped by a voice from an unknown. F- person that says are you sh- are you sure you're ready for that mr whitman fade to black and credits um so andy mentioned earlier black knight so what's up with dane in the comics dane is the hero known as the black knight which is looks like a dude in a knight's armor um the black knight dane's family history has always been tied to the sword this is known as the ebony blade sword was forged by dane's ancestor sir percy of scandia and Merlin had a hand in making the sword. Uh, the blade itself came from a Starstone meteorite that can even stop Wolverine's adamantium claws. So is, it is a formidable weapon. Uh, the catch with the sword is that it's cursed, which you might get a sense of that when he opens the case and there's foreboding sound effects and, and all that kind of thing. So whoever wields the sword has to fight against the sword's bloodlust. Uh, Dane's uncle, Nathan Garrett, which the name Garrett, Josh, threw me for a loop and I had to be like, wait, is that somehow, I don't know if that's a family tree thing, but 
we can talk about that maybe off stream because that's that's spoilers for Agents of Shield for any people that have watched oh, Agents of Shield. Yeah, the name yeah. Garrett. Like, why does that sound familiar? Yeah, comes into play. Right, right. Um, but Dane's uncle Nathan Garrett succumbed to the bloodlust and was a villainous Black Knight. Uh, in the comics, when the mantle gets passed to Dane, he's mostly been able to fight against the bloodlust and, for the most part, be a hero. Um, so that's sort of where we're where we're leaved at. And leaving the theater, I had some people behind me say, "Oh, I know who that voice is. It's this person." I was like, I, "No, I don't know if I believe that." Looked it up after the fact. I know the who they thought it was. Well, I looked so, it up after so, the fact, and whoever they thought it was was correct. Though so, they thought, see, because what Amy thought to me was incorrect. Her thought was that it was Jeffrey Wright, and it oh, was the, the Beyonder. Yeah, or okay. no, the Watcher. That's that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. She she thought it was the Watcher, and I was like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. the The benefit but, of seeing it twice was that I was unsure walking out of the first viewing who it was, but listening for it the second time, I was like, Oh no, yes, that is that is that person. Um, I presume it was you also know, confirmed. Mike. Well, it was confirmed by the director. I did look right. it up specifically to show her. Josh um, and Andy, do you guys have any idea who was speaking to I, Dane? I've I've seen the same thing that Mike did now, so yeah, I know okay. who it is. Andy, do you have a uh, guess? I haven't you know? read anything, but I've talked to um, friends at work, and uh, they've told me what they've read. Um, my initial thought was that it was Nick Fury. Okay. Just Incorrect. Sounded like to him at the moment, I guess. Yeah. Um. But. So who were people at work telling you it is? Uh, Mahershala Ali. Yes. Correct. So director Chloe Zhao confirmed it is Mahershala Ali. So this is the first quote-unquote appearance of Blade in the MCU. So I don't know anything about any connection between the two. So I was wondering if anybody here did. There's a razor thin like it's a very very short comic run that they both ran with the same team um and it was called what brian do you have the name of it offhand i do not like i know i read some stuff that seemed like they crossed paths occasionally but i don't remember what team they were parts of it well it was like it, it wasn't even like an official name like there was never a comic with that title you know what I mean? Like, name that. They were, like, they, they they teamed together very, very briefly. Let's put it that way. And it was a insignificant thing. It didn't, like, gain any kind of um, traction. Like, the Marvels, like, Black Knights or, you know, Excalibur or any anything along those lines ever did. Um, but it, you know, they're both sword wielders, <laughs> so, so it kind of makes sense. Common. I mean, I think it's more like the Black Knight's cursed blade is more of a supernatural thing and blade deals in the supernatural. So I think that's where they sort of cross paths. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe the MCU is going to start to lean that direction or at least have a slice of the MCU go that way. Like, I think we're building characters that play in that realm. Yeah, I think we're going to see... Because didn't they just cast, like... Well, I mean, we we know Oscar Isaac was cast as Moon Knight. Yeah. And I believe they cast Jack Russell as well. The Werewolf by Night, I believe, was cast. That I, yeah, that I don't know. 
Um, I can't remember who they had supposedly cast, but I thought I had seen something like they were... Either they were looking to cast Jack Russell, or they had. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they're getting more into that horror side of Marvel, which it's still Marvel horror. It's not horror horror, right, right. you know. But that more werewolves and vampires and all that, I feel like they're going to expand into that a bit. Um, it'll be it'll be cool to see what kind of team ups they put together. Yeah, so I'm looking up Black Knight and what teams he's been on, and it says he's been on the Avengers, the Defenders, Euroforce, Excalibur, Heroes for Hire, Holy Guard, Legion of the Unliving, Masters of Evil, um, MI13, Savage Avengers, Ultra Force, and West Coast Ultimates. I actually think it might have been the MI13 thing. Is where him if and Blade cross paths. I believe so. Let me click on it and see who it, if it tells me who the hell is in this team. Uh, while they're checking stuff out, Josh, you got anything to add for this post credit scene? Um, well, I mean, for context, if you're listening to the show, you probably, yes, did watch the movie. But remember, right towards the ending, before the movie closes out, uh, Dane's character, the character of Dane, Kit Harrington's character, comes back uh in contact with cersei and right before the sky opens up and we see that fake galactus thing that we thought it was but it was really her air <laughs> again um he makes mention to cersei about having like looked into his family history a bit more and yeah troubled he, family history or something like that right it, it was one of those classic moments like i'm just on the verge of telling you a thing and then a big thing interrupts us um, so that's the yeah. that's the context of where the the scene comes from. This is obviously playing out, you know, some things that he uncovered. Um, I guess I'm fine with it. Um, I, I I was wondering at what point to shoehorn this comment in. So I think now is a good as time as any. Um, I might have made a comment like this. I don't know if it was on the show or at least just personally to people in the past. Pretty much after the uh, phase three wrapped up. I, th- I, I I said at one point, I'm so happy to start over. I'm so I'm I'm very, I'm looking forward to not having any idea what the plan is and what the end goal is, what they're working toward. Um, right. Like the speculation is fun again, and that's one thing. But like we're three movies into a new beginning now. And I have no idea what the hell to expect. I don't know where they're going. I don't know what anything means. I don't know what the broader purpose is. And I love it. And I, you know, I, I hearken back to the first, the, the most people, and, and there's still a large chunk of people who still never saw The Incredible Hulk. A lot of people literally yeah. skipped that movie. Even in the past, they never went back. Because it's not on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> well, and then, yeah. And I mean, in, in in the intervening years, a lot of people never went back after Avengers to see the Edward Norton version, which is part of the MCU. Yeah. So in reality, you got Iron Man and then you didn't get anything for two whole years. The MCU was not a thing. You had Iron Man. You waited two years to get a sequel to that one solo movie. Then you waited another year to get Thor and Captain America. Then another year to get Avengers. You were in for a four to five year ride spaced out a lot more before even the semblance of a patchwork 
was evident. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't... I'm ready for that again. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, and, and with the whole Black Knight issue, Blade, where do they all fit in? What's going to happen? Where do they... I have no clue. Yeah. I don't... Whatever. Like you said, like, sort of with the Eternals. I didn't know jack shit going in. I assumed whatever they want me to learn, they will present to me. And I'm just along for the ride. And I'm good with that. Yeah, I agree. I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Mike. I was I don't think they can ever capture that same thing again of it all starting. Not entirely. Of the whole thing starting. Where the, this is coming from nothing. This is something we have wanted our whole lives. Our generation specifically. We grew up as kids with this stuff. And we were coming into adulthood on our own as this was starting. You know, and I don't think they're ever going to capture that again with it all starting at once. Where we saw so many shitty comic book movies made for so many years. and it, You know, you'd get a spare good one here or there. But so many of them sucked. We had to see Batman and Robin get made. For a deep dive of discussion on said like, shitty movies, see our Rewind Theater <laughs> past and future catalog. If the wheel keeps going the way it's going, we, yeah, we'll probably keep having that discussion. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't think we'll ever get that same kind of momentum and same kind of feeling that we got when we found out, like, holy shit, they're actually going to make an Avengers movie. And then seeing them do it and actually do it amazing. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? Like, that, that feeling of, like, this is seeming like this is going to be really good. And then you get to the Avengers movie and holy shit, it was amazing. I don't think they're ever going to hit that build again. Just like, I feel like they can hit the build toward Infinity War and Endgame again. But I don't think we're going to get that build to the first Avengers movie. No, ever pro again. probably not. And that's fair, because this isn't going to exist in a vacuum. But, um, it, probably, if I had to think back on it, at the, at the least, at the least, from, say, Guardians of the Galaxy or Age of Ultron, the last four to five years of the first couple waves oh okay they're establishing this thing with infinity stones and periodically you know me as a like a big comic reader i'm picking up snippets of information through conversation and reading stuff online and just learning etc cetera, etc cetera. okay well eventually we're getting to point x we're we're I, I, you know i'm in a twilight period where i don't know where the hell point x is whatsoever and i'm fine with it yeah, I feel like right now there's about probably four or five different point X's out there that they're heading towards. Right, right. could be. And which one's the big one mm -hmm. versus which one's the Ultron. Yeah. You know and, I mean, which one's the short term and which one's the long term? Who knows? Right. And for me, I think like phase three, you still got several new solo movies. You got introduced to Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel. Um, They brought Spider-Man in, right? But, like, Shang-Chi blew me away, admittedly. Like, I really, really mm -hmm. like Shang-Chi. And I think I will grow to, like, this quite a bit as well. Again, like, I think a second and third viewing is, is only going to improve this for me. So, I like, like, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man next month. I'm looking forward to a Doctor Strange sequel and whatever, you know, television series uh, interconnected with all this that we get and whatnot. But just keep giving me new you know whatever you want to want to create and and don't let me see where the breadcrumbs are leading 
you know, keep doing it. Uh, Andy, do you have something to add? I feel like you were going to chime in with something there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to tell you that uh, Mike is correct. It is the MI-13 team where okay. uh, Black Knight and Blade says the current core members oh. of the team are Wisdom, Captain Britain, the Black Knight, Spitfire, Excalibur, and Blade. Current? Like they still make this today? Well, I mean, it says major story arcs, and I guess the current team for Secret Invasion was those guys. Okay, so when the last time they appeared. Uh, it says their most recent... Yeah, there's... I don't know. It's, it's a weird team, so... Yeah, it's a weird team. The team most recently battled Dracula, it says. <laughs> so Can't wait till we get Dracula in the MCU. I well this uh, this composer. That's how Blade was introduced into the Marvel. That's Literally true. a cover of him throwing stakes at Dracula. The uh, the compo- had- the composer for this movie did the uh, Luke Evans Dracula Untold <laughs> movie as well. Ah, uh, that movie was okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't was, bad. Uh, it could have been better. I think. Yeah, uh, I, I was looking forward to it, and then it was just kind of like it underperformed. Yeah. Yeah. Before before this movie actually kicked off in the theater, we were shown the trailer for Morbius, and I can't because I've seen it online that someone suggested this, and it it just irritates the shit out of me with all the Sony crap going on. But like because that's a Sony movie, it's like it would have been great to have a Morbius movie involved with Blade. Like this should have been the introduction to Blade and Morbius. You could have had them fight each other in somebody's movie. But because Morbius is Sony and Blade is MCU, we may never get that. And it just feels like such a missed opportunity already that I don't know. I feel like I've just ignored the Morbius stuff because it's Sony. Because yeah. I'm just like, nope, I'm not I'm not entertaining this crap. Just like the carnage thing. And I'm just like, nope, I'm just, nope. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. I feel like it all might just blend together at some point. But that's a discussion for another time. Could. Um, anything else for, for the Black Knight and Blade-ish uh, post-credit scene? Uh, only that I'm very excited and I hope that the Black Knight isn't one of those characters that only appears in other people's movies. Yeah. You know, like Black I Widow. Think... Black Widow was only in other people's movies until very most recently. Yeah. I, I think Black Knight probably plays best to a series or to you know i feel like almost something akin to what netflix did with the defenders Mm. where we get a moon knight series we get a blade series we get a black knight series we get a whoever else series and it kind of comes together into their own tie-in to bring them into the bigger universe as a team i think blade's confirmed to be a movie right we're not getting a series right we're getting a movie blade Right. Okay, well, yeah, that makes sense, because it's Blade, but still. The the others could I get could, maybe small series, and even after his feature, he then appears on right, a series right. with them. They they still haven't done a very good... They've, they've done it a few times now where they've taken the movie stars and created shows from them, but they have yet to do a good job of starting a character in a show and bringing it to movie. Agents of Shield. That's we're gonna get that with Kamala Khan. But they when... didn't. They didn't do a good job of that at all. Because they never came to the movie, is what he's saying. Like we never got Quake in the MCU. 
Right. So, but but Kamala Khan, I think, is going to be the one where we're going to see that first. Where she's going to be in her own Miss Marvel series. She's going to be in the Marvels. And I think that's probably the first time we're going to get them create a character and then bring them in to the movies. Unless She-Hulk gets brought into a movie before she does. Which She-Hulk could appear anywhere. Right. Yeah, I mean, like that. She could just turn up somewhere. We don't know. Uh, anything else for the credits or we'll do ratings and wrap it up? Nothing? Okay. Uh, so out of 10, we'll go around the horn. Um, Andy, we'll start with you. Rating out of 10, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a 6. Okay. Elaborate a little bit or? Uh, I, I felt like I came out of the movie with, with way more questions than I did have answers and that, that irritates me. Okay. Um, I also did see it until last night, so I guess I haven't had a lot of uh, gestation period on it. Gotcha. Um, uh, I also think this, like uh, Josh has said, movie would benefit from a second viewing. So. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Mike, out of 10, what do you give it? I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, I, I feel like it was good. Um, I feel like there's a lot there to go on. I just don't feel like there's anything exceptional okay. about this movie for me. It, it Like, I don't feel like this is gonna ever be a part of my, like, top ten Marvel movies or anything. Like, I feel like it's really solid. It's, it's a good median MCU movie, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, like, it's right there. It's a good spot. Um, does its job and got me excited to see what comes next. Fair. Um, but I don't feel like it's very rewatchable personally. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, just, I feel like it's, I don't know. I'm much more likely to rewatch Shang-Chi over and over and over again. And yeah. this maybe once or twice here or there. Uh, Josh, what do you give it a 10? Um, so, um, I, I, the, I'm going to start with, a 6.5 to a 7. <laughs> um, and it's not because I think anything was exceptionally bad. I'm just giving myself room to potentially bump it up after another viewing or two. Okay. And I think the same thing. I think it does a lot of things really well. Um, and I think it is a, on its own, it's a pretty good film. Um, in the pantheon of MCU movies, it doesn't break past many of them for any particular reason um it didn't there's not one or two things that i would point to that said it did this so much better than these four other mcu entries right okay um so it's why it's maybe not coming off higher but i by no means disliked it okay uh i think i'm falling in it i'm i Thought I wanted to give it a nine, and then I started to think that I don't remember. I'm trying to remember back because now, now since we don't keep like a running list of everything we've ever rated, I don't remember what I gave Shang Chi, and I'm starting to think I maybe gave it a nine. So I like Shang Chi more, but so I'm gonna bump this down to like eight point seven five and hope that I'm <laughs> right in there. If I gave Shang Chi an eight point five, I'm be real mad that I rated this just above that because it should be the other way around. But uh, I I think. The story is kind of like 
formulaic, I guess, a little bit compared to other Marvel movies. Like Andy said, it sort of does the same thing as some other ones as far as like flashbacks and the way they present the story to you. Um, but I do think that the the way it's directed, I think, is unique enough that it's, it feels different and fresh to me. I really hope that they keep Chloe's out either in this franchise or get her direct to another movie because I'd like to see what else she does. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, again, there's something about like I keep replaying a lot of the fight scenes in my mind that I just think they're directed so well. And it's something that I've it like coming off of Shang-Chi. I'm like, man, these fight scenes, you can get better than these fight scenes. And I'm not saying these are better, but I think they are, they fit in a nice little niche as far as compared to other Marvel movies that they still feel like they do something different to me. And like I said, just the way they're shot and edited does not give me a headache compared to like other movies that I've seen and the way they get you right into the action and make you feel like you're in there when all the shit's going down. So I really appreciate all of that and what they try to do there. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it for Eternals for us. Um, next episode for us, whether that's next week or two weeks, I'm not quite sure where we're going to fall, but we'll most likely be recording our next Rewind Theater episode for the next Turtles movie, TMNT, from 2007. Uh, which apparently, when I went to look up this name on IMDb to try to find out what year it came out, IMDb changed the name to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Immortal. So I don't what? know. Yes. I typed in TMNT and got a bunch of results that were saying, like, video games and TV shows. And I'm like, this is not any of it. And But at the top of the list, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Immortal from 2007. You click on that name and it shows you the poster for that movie. What? So that just was never in case, his name. no, it's not. But just in case they changed like, it without it anybody sense, knowing, but it also doesn't make sense. I, like, I, yes, I get the argument here. <laughs> but for anyone out there that wants to watch this movie with us and cannot find it other under what is originally titled TMNT, if you find it other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Four Immortal, that should be the movie. Two thousand seven was the year, wow. so. I feel like we had the same issue with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah, the Turtle One Time subtitle sub- was or wasn't there or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, like the Secret of the Use. Or no, it was Turtles in Time. You're right. For three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, three. It was, uh, yeah. yeah, that okay, was the yeah, one that we thought it. had the subtitle, but it didn't. But if you look at some some websites, it, it actually showed you a poster of it saying Turtles 3, <laughs> right. Turtles in Time. So well, that was it, like it's, a tie-in like, with like Super Nintendo, wasn't it? Like Turtles the, in Time was the Super Nintendo game. Yes, but yeah. but it had nothing to do like the story of the game had nothing to do with the story of the movie. Yeah, it would have been so much better if it did. <laughs> Such so yeah, I guess the you know the turtles titles have a very complicated history, and you may or may not be able to find what you're looking for. So just keep an eye out for that. So maybe if if Ian accidentally mixes something up and watches something different, maybe there's a <laughs> chance it might be something else he'll enjoy more. I don't know. No, that's just going to be an excuse for him to never come back because now <laughs> Turtles has shamed him again to watching the wrong movie, and it's the Turtles' fault. I feel <laughs> like he's going to like this one. I feel like he's going to like it. We keep saying that, but we'll, you know, I... Did we'll we keep saying goes. that? I feel like we've said that this like is the one. I feel like the original Turtles movies get worse as you go, and then this kind of brings it back. That's what I mean. I think I feel like this is the one that might be able to get him back. And if he hates this one still, the Michael Bay ones, he's definitely going to love because there's nothing else and he has to. It's just explosions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. Uh, be sure to subscribe or follow the show to keep up with us. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor Stitcher. Hopefully anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Bry Guy Super Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. 
Uh, try to send me an email, superfriends at gmail.com. It's probably been seven, eight months. I, I lost track of the last time I checked it, but, you know, I'll get there eventually. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at BGSuperFriends. That I will see. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch, at JediBryGuy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. Uh, whenever with a y? we so <laughs> decide hot. to uh, do another live show, we'll do it there. Uh, this is this is currently episode 243, so we're getting closer to 250. Again, we I've teased it. We will most likely try to plan some other other live episode on Twitch. Uh, I will keep you posted when we get closer to sort of what we're doing, what date we're looking at, what the topics will be. So keep an eye on the socials for when we nail some stuff down and have a clear idea of how we kind of want to do it. But uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted. On behalf of Andy, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Woo-ha!